Arkansas, what else we got? Anything? Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. This episode of Sincast is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema streaming exceptional films from around the globe. Each day, Mubi introduces a new gem and you have one month to watch it. From cult classics to acclaimed masterpieces, every film is hand-selected by experts. Try Mubi free for 30 days at mubi.com slash cinemasins. That's mubi.com slash cinemasins for your extended free trial. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. A special Sincast. That's right. A very special Sincast. <laughs> That's right. I am Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by... Now, I'm going to do it in a different order today. Uh-oh. Uh, joined as always by music video sense Barrett Share. Hi yo, and the voice of Cinema Sins Jeremy Scott. That's me. That's right. And and, and his brother Hey-o! Jeffrey Scott. Yay! Hey, first time caller, long time brother. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and I hear, I hear that we're going to also have Ridley Scott. Yes. And, and Jill Scott and and F. Scott Fitzgerald. Wow. They're all going to be here. Wow. Tonight. But not Tony Scott. Not Tony Scott. Why do I make a joke like that? Well, I don't know. I will, <laughs> Honestly, F. Scott Fitzgerald shouldn't be able to show up either. <laughs> That's true. Did you say what about Campbell Scott? Scott? <laughs> what? Did you say Jill, Jill Scott, yeah. Campbell Scott? <laughs> Campbell Scott, yeah. Gil Scott Heron. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Scott Sp- Speedman? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, exactly. Scott Speedman, for sure. We'll be talking about Underworld and only Underworld. Yeah, not Scott Bale. W- whatever TV show he was on. That's right. Yeah, some some J.J. Abrams thing. Yeah, so uh, we have my brother in studio. This is something that Jeff and I have been talking about for a while now, um, just because, uh, well, he's a cool guy. I like him. But also, he was sort of my gateway drug to movies in that- you Thank know, we, you. Yeah. Well, I like putting labels on you. Uh, he went off to college and started watching all these movies and got hooked on film, became a cinephile, and I'm still back in the preacher's kid residence. You know, if I go to movies, I get in trouble. Uh, and so he would come home on breaks or what have you, and he'd like you know slide me Terminator Two and <laughs> JFK or what have you, and basically hooked me before I had the freedom of being away at college to see everything. Um, and so I thought it'd be nice to have him on. Yeah, I'm glad I'm I'm glad you did and I'm thrilled to be here and Didn't you have a Terminator 2 poster? Oh yeah, that was yep. hanging in your bedroom for a yep. long time. What I've tried to describe to people and first of all, it's great to be here. I it is a little odd uh to have your kid brother have something like this that has kind of blown up and gotten pretty, so popular. It's pretty odd for me too, <laughs> if I'm honest. It's pretty <laughs> amazing. Um so but yeah, I I did I lived the same experience Jeremy lived, and some of you that have listened to these podcasts before, you probably already know that story, but I left for college having seen, I think, four movies in a theater in my life. Wow. I saw two as a kid uh, that mom took us to, uh, and I saw two movies. I think I saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in the theater, and I saw Big. Those were the two movies I'd seen in a theater. Just B-movies. Before I went to, exactly, before I went, well, and we also (laughs) lived in a very tiny little town, the nearest theater was probably you know 45 minute drive away or whatever so it wasn't super accessible but then i went to college and discovered everything and so yeah i would come home and be like oh dude you've got to watch this or terminator 2 you know came out around that time and i fell in love with that movie and i think i did have a poster and yeah brought you know just kind of in 
indoctrinated him and infected him with uh, love for these movies. And, you know, I had a couple of friends at college that then, you know, became his friends. And we kind of just had this sort of appreciation for film uh, about the time he got to college and for several years after that. Now I'm not I'm old now and I have like three kids and no time. And so I don't get to keep up on film as much as Jeremy does, but I'd still love movies and kind of live vicariously now through him and what he's able to do with you guys and uh, really enjoy knowing that I had some small role in. Yeah, well, I've mentioned uh, Josh and Jeremy uh, Childs before on the podcast and Jeremy's a little older than you, but you guys were friends in college and then um, Josh got there a year before me and you became friends with him and then I showed up. And so we've always kind of been friends with these two guys. And last time Jeff was here, uh, Josh and Jeremy and Jeff and I sat down and watched Locke. And that mm. was when I was introduced to Locke, which I, of course, have infected you guys with yeah. now and several listeners. Uh, and so that was an awesome experience because none of us knew what to expect. And I'll never forget how quiet it was when the movie ended. <laughs> yeah, we watched that movie in silence and there was this like extended silence after the movie ended. And I don't really remember exactly who spoke first. I don't either. But it was once something like. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else went, that was amazing. And now it's the film that I tell everybody, you know, that I run into. Oh, yeah, you really need to see this. Yeah. Right. It's going to so change was, the world. That was one of our more. Well, actually, the most recent movie going experience we'll get into a little bit later. We went and saw Annihilation last night. Yes. Uh, and we both have lots to say there. Um, but, you know, going back, you know, I just I, I don't know if I would be where I am. I don't want to get all sentimental or anything. Mm-hmm. Please if don't. You, if you hadn't come back with that passion, with that interest because i don't know if you where everybody listening is in birth order my wife is fascinated by the subject of birth order by the way hmm. being a younger child you I, I looked up to my brother a lot of the stuff that he got interested in and did in life i got interested in did in life whether it was baseball when we were teenagers or when we got to college we both did radio we both did acting we both communication majors so in many ways i was just sort of following in his footsteps and the movie thing it's, it's really the perfect kind of encapsulation of that in that you know i also i wanted to be like him now he wants to be like me (laughs) (laughs) everyone wants to be like you um so anyway um so uh, you know what i wouldn't mind if they sort of mini potted annihilation sure man all right well this movie i mean obviously you can't get into spoilers here no but just sort of (sighs) give us your thoughts about it i have never seen a movie like this in my entire life that's beautiful yeah and I think that's part of why, because when we came out, we were both joking, like, is that a wreck of Warren? Is that a, <laughs> like, because you just, there's so much to process. And the movie gives you so few answers. Um, like, even even movies that are trying to be inscrutable will give you more answers than this movie does. Hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I did some reading last night and basically confirmed, yeah, really can't draw any conclusions that somebody else couldn't draw a counter conclusion to. Yeah. Uh, like he and I both had a completely different interpretation of the ending when we walked out. Um, of course, he's seen the book and it's drastically different. I've right? not only seen the book, I've read it. <laughs> Ooh, nice. I, did. I just I saw read, words on a page. I read like all- I haven't even seen it. <laughs> it exists. Um, all right. I'll pull it up online. Uh, yeah, I read the books about a year ago. A friend had given them to me. Uh, I did like them a lot. They are very trippy, very not traditional storytelling. Um, literally, the first book, I when I found out they were making a movie, and I read the books before I realized the movie was coming, I, I saw that they were making a movie, and I literally thought, I don't know how you make a movie about this book. Hmm. You're so inside one character's head the entire time. Hmm. 
There are definitely feelings of an unreliable narrator going on. You're not sure what's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to make this movie. So I went into this movie liking the books, but not really knowing what to expect. And I walked out, like he said, the first hour or two thinking, I think I liked it and I got to think about it some more. And I woke up this morning and told him, I, I love that movie. Like hmm. it just, I want to go back and see it again. Like it was really, really good. Uh, it, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say it is very different from the book. Mm -hmm. So the plot of the movie unfolds in a way that is uh, a pretty significant departure, but they get all of the big themes, right? And they get all of the feeling, right? They get all of the creepiness, right? Uh, I have no idea where they go from here because Again, I'm, and I think I've read that the director of the movie isn't entirely interested in making a sequel. He doesn't want to live in a space where there's this, you know, universe of annihilation movies or something. So maybe they just won't do anything. They'll let them, this one stand alone. And seeing <laughs> seeing the work of Alex Garland, I'm not shocked at that no. uh, revelation because uh, I, I have a feeling like he doesn't want to get boxed into a whole franchise mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's beautiful. It sounds great. Uh, it is compelling. There are parts of it that are just creepy as heck. I'm telling you, there are two moments in this movie that terrified me. Mm. Hmm. And I would hesitate to call this a scary movie or a horror movie. No, but it's got points at which you have that feeling. Like, that's what's really unique about it is it's not easily labeled. There are real elements of science fiction there are moments where you're thinking the only thing you can compare what you're watching to is like a Stanley Kubrick film. Or I think I walked out and I said, did you see the fountain? Cause this had some mm. elements of that in it hmm. that I found interesting, but then there are definite moments of just sheer suspense and traditional horror, uh, psychological thriller, lots of really There's, interesting beats. It, the, the visuals are trippy at times there, especially in what I would call the last 20 minutes. There's a visual, thing that is just flat out mesmerizing hmm. um but unlike a movie like the cell that has flashy trippy visuals but no real substance underneath it yeah this is giving you crazy visuals while stimulating your brain and characters you can relate to i i really think the best review of this movie is i have never seen a fucking movie like this ah, in my can't wait. life yeah and there is a there's a moment early on um in the first 10 minutes where we get three establishing shots of natalie portman's house and i swear he's just the most confident assured filmmaker like he there's there's no doubt in his mind what he wants to shoot Mm. what he wants to show you how he wants the camera to move and i felt that distinctly throughout the entire movie just like I did with Ex Machina, because with Ex Machina, you're, you're talking about a debut as a, from a directing standpoint. And it, it's such a assured film. It feels like a veteran made that. Uh, and it's even more so in this. Like this guy, the guy knows exactly what he's trying to do. We're kind of in the middle of of like a golden age of directors. We really are. Mm -hmm. With the Alex Garland, Denis Villeneuve, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, mm -hmm. Damien Chazelle, you could even say, yeah. are like really at finally maybe the top of their game Inaratu, um, yeah yeah Quaron. i mean these a couple of these guys are going to be the spielberg scorsese kubrick's in 30 years yeah. that film schools are studying and i think alex garland is well on his way to doing that it's, and i i think you would have to be self-assured to be able to take the story that he took and then to create a movie that is so really original even within how it is retelling the story 
Yeah. You know, he did not at any point feel tied to the narrative of the book because he departed from it quite regularly and quite significantly and yet told a story that was incredibly compelling and it made me want more and it hope makes me hope that at some point they will get back to telling these other stories because I want to see where someone like him would take this story from where he left it. Uh, yeah, but he would have to be a completely self-assured director to take something that's got such a cult following and has so many people who've read that and and are invested in that story and in those characters and take it in, in many ways in a completely different direction. What I like that you said sometime earlier today, you said that it, it basically hit all the same notes, gave you the same feelings, hit the same themes, even though it changed basically everything. It didn't he change, still captured the essence. Yeah, it didn't change everything, but it did change a whole lot. But it kept all of the really important, significant beats. It kept the thematic ideas. It kept the weirdness mm -hmm. of the book, uh, but it just did it, told it in a different way. And again, I think it's to his credit, because as I said, when I read the book, I thought, I don't think you can make this a movie. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how you do it. I think this is the only way you can. Yeah. I think you have to take something that was special in the written form and turn it into something that is equally special in the visual form. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, it honestly doesn't feel to me like a movie that intends on any sequels. So the, the way this thing ends feels like a standalone uh, even if there are other stories to tell, it just feels encapsulated. How many books are there? There are three books. Three. Okay. Annihilation. What did I just tell you? They were I'm another A word. Authority. Divergent. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Allegiant. Insurgent. The Death Cure. <laughs> did, did not love that movie quite as much. Uh, Annihilation, Authority, and then Acceptance. Mm. Huh. And mm. even the way those books are framed without giving too much away, the first one is you're almost entirely inside the character that is the character played by Natalie Portman. You're in, in her head really throughout the entire book. The second book then is a little bit subsequent to what the first book tells, but from a skewed perspective. So it almost takes you then into different characters' heads and there's some crossover. And then the third book is kind of a trippy uh, conclusion to both of those stories. I so like that I don't, the, it can get trippier than this. I Granted, I haven't read the book, but that movie's trippy. Mm. It's not, I mean, it's... You know how you can leave a movie and not really know for sure how you feel about it? Oh, yeah. But you know you're on the side of good. Mm -hmm. Like, I walked out going, did I like that or did I love it? Yes. I, it was, I didn't walk out going, was that good or bad? Like I did with Cloud Atlas. Like I've done with Cloud Atlas mm. four goddamn times. <laughs> um, you, you know you're liking what... It's just it's really hard to describe. Really... In hindsight, now that we've talked about it for 10 minutes, you guys should have seen the movie before we, we talk. Because I now I just want you to go see it so we can talk. It's one of these movies you want to talk to somebody about. You want to break apart. You want to dissect and analyze. You want like, to go back and see it again and then have another Yeah, like Dicer said on Twitter, uh, I love movies that dangle in your brain like a string in front of the kitty or something like that. Mm. And I thought that's mm. a really good poetic way to describe a movie like this that just kind of almost demands you tear into it. Uh, after you're done. I think that's you need awesome. to read more poetry if you think that's a poetic description. <laughs> a string I, you dangle in front of a kitty. I, you know what? Fuck poetry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and fuck Aaron Dicer. He's not here. Um, he'll be here next week. Yeah, he'll be here next week. That's right. Uh, but uh, I think I've said that a few times about Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Fuck him. Um, no, um, isn't that weird though how uh, science fiction uh, novels like this are always considered the unfilmable, you know, yeah. Like Ender's Game was had that stigma for the longest time before they finally made it. Uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy had that exact same stigma. Yep. Like it took forever for them to come out with a real movie for that. 
Um, and it's and it always has something to do with what you're saying there. It's got this introspective. It's mostly narration. I mean, Hitchhiker's Guide had enough dialogue and action in it that I don't know why they ever considered it just unfilmable. Mm -hmm. Like I never understood that. I understood that about Ender's Game because it was a lot more like you know, um, I, I don't know. It was a lot more just text on the page, not much. I mean, there's, I mean, still even Ender's Game, I didn't quite get the whole like just unfilmable, can't do it mm -hmm. or whatever. Watchmen was another one that they said that about. But Dark even though, Tower, yeah, um, <laughs> they were right about Dark. Then Tower. Then they proved it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, what's uh, what's the what's the grade you'd give for that? God? I need to see it again before I grade it. Right now, I'm going to say a a minus. Mm -hmm. um, probably a, a after I see it again. It's got elements of Kubrick, elements of Arrival, a little bit of Ex Machina in there. It's just like nothing you've ever seen, and uh, I can't wait to see it again. And that's pretty rare for me. I think I'm ready to go AA plus easily. I think wow. it'll easily be one of the best films I see this year. And again, I'll see 15 <laughs> movies this year if I'm lucky. Um, not the 50 or 60 or 70 that a lot of people yeah, best movie of the year so far but you know it's only February right yeah I think it's gonna stand up I think people are gonna really I think dig it, it. I think it'll get some award consideration you know that's awesome being you know released I hope I hope that'll be the case because I really do believe it is a really great movie yeah. I guess it's hard to cut together a trailer for a movie like this because I, I was getting a little bit worried from those trailers yeah the February of course we really shouldn't worry about February release dates anymore but well it is it it, it was weird certain february release dates you still should worry about um and and maybe this is just old old chris 1993 to 2013 <laughs> movie theater guy talking here but every time i saw february 20 something mm -hmm. i knew it wasn't going to be good mm -hmm. now sometimes here's a situation where they have a movie they don't know quite how to market maybe yeah and they are putting it on the 23rd and they're hoping okay this is it's before the spring movie season hits and everything maybe we can get you know some traction on this and it'll 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 work out for us i think that may be the case here i think that it it definitely feels like the kind of movie you're not quite sure what to do with and again walking out i'm thinking i think think i liked it i've got to give it some thought and then it was 12 hours That's later where thing. i was like i really liked that movie i really want to see it again i don't think it's for everybody i was gonna I'm say not sure it's gonna you know be widely popular and acclaimed but i think it'll be fairly well reviewed critically i think once people get over the disconnect between maybe the book and the movie i think it'll start getting a little bit more attention and i think it's one of those movies that five years from now people will look back at and say that was a that was a great movie. i think you're right i think it's gonna I think it's going to bomb at the box office. I think it's going to get plowed by Black Panther and fucking Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> and of course, we've also got a mainstream comedy opening this weekend with a bunch of stars in it. That's getting great reviews. Uh, the, the game, game night. night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, I, I'm afraid this movie is going to get lost. But the same thing kind of happened with Ex Machina. Most of most <laughs> of the people who saw that came to it months later on home video. Um and I think it's going to be the same thing here. And I can see this movie turning people off. I can see, I think I know a few people who, if they watch this movie, they will walk out and go, what the fuck do you like that for? <laughs> um, because again, it's not, it's not trying to be a movie. It's, it breaks a lot of rules that movies seem to want to always follow. Hmm. It, it blends genres. It's just, I've never seen anything like it. I can't wait. 
Yeah, man. Anyway, I'm all over this movie. Mini pod. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a good Anni- mini pod. Annihilation pod. I think that was a good mini pod, though. Um, <laughs> now let's get into spoilers. That was my, yeah. that was my first <laughs> mini pod, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, they say you never forget your first. Um, so now, <laughs> now that we've gotten your story and your annihilation um, out of the way, here we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go back to what we did uh, last week. We're gonna do a road trip. On the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all. The road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Yeah. Trippy pod. Wait. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> trippy pod. Um, but uh, so so last week we did Alaska and we did Alabama. Mm-hmm. Making our way through the U.S. That's right. Uh, today, that means Arizona and Arkansas. Yeah. And, that completes uh, all the states I know in the song. Alabama, yeah. <laughs> Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas. Yeah, nice. um, but uh, we'll start off with uh, with Arizona, and um, now Arizona is a uh, is an interesting state here because this is pretty much it seems like, and I could be completely wrong, but anytime there's something in the desert, <laughs> Arizona is used. Now I'm sure New Mexico is used yeah, quite yeah. a lot, mm-hmm. and and you know Nevada and all these places are used a lot, but. You know, when you look at Arizona, it was like, you know, they shot Star Wars and Return of the right. Jedi and stuff like that there. And they shot uh, the Temple of Doom there oh, yeah. and stuff like that. So and there's a lot of things where Arizona is in place of another state that, they, you know, it's like a Little Miss Sunshine. It's mm-hmm. it's Arizona is playing for New Mexico mm-hmm. in that one. Uh, so stuff like that. Uh, but uh, in this uh, list of movies that you've sent us, Barrett, what would you like to start off with on on uh, Arizona? Well, obviously, Arizona's known a lot for westerns mm-hmm. because of the topography. You've got the Grand Canyon over there. You've mm-hmm. got a mountainous region. You've got the desert that Chris is talking about. Um, so we can name a million westerns that were that may have taken place there. Um, one that I left off, I guess, would be Tombstone. Tombstone is in Arizona, right? I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So I guess I I would start with the westerns. Tombstone is probably my favorite western that's set in in Arizona. Uh, But then we've got the two versions. Yes, I know. (laughs) Then we've got the two versions of Three Ten to Yuma. I haven't seen the 1957 one, but the 2007 one was awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and that's that's uh, James Mangold again. mm -hmm. He's like for every. For every great movie, in between, he makes a movie that you you forget about. Right. He's so hit or miss for me. It's like, I'm going to make 310 to Yuma, Night and Day, and then I'm going to make Logan. I'm like, what? And in the middle, Wolverine, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. Is that yeah. the one? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think 310 to Yuma is fantastic. I also have not seen the original, but mm-hmm. I've, I've heard they're very similar in terms of plot beats and whatnot. Uh, but everybody in that movie is great. Yeah. And you get... You get Russell Crowe playing a, a slight twist on the Russell Crowe archetype. You get Christian Bale in a really subdued performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan Lerman's in this yeah. as his son. <laughs> right. um, it, and Ben Foster, I think, steals the whole movie. He this does. is the movie where I realize Ben Foster is an actor, not just an uh, actor. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic movie. Did not know until this podcast that it was uh, Arizona. Gotta be oh. honest. <laughs> The things you learn when Barrett's, Barrett sends you show prep. By the way, not that James Mangold has much to do with our Arizona uh, talk and everything. It was the Wolverine that he got. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't the X-Men Origins one. I'm sure um, he was going to write in and complain if we didn't fix that. He was. He was, and I know him personally, and I think he would have called me directly. Yeah, he didn't um, want to take credit for that bullshit. That's right. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that stood out to me in this list is that there are a lot of, um, like, alien invasion type of yep. movies, too. 
and that and that would make sense as well because they like to shoot these like desert scenes for you know like uh sp- you know spaceships coming down yep. and everything and whatever but there's stuff like evolution in there <laughs> yeah. by the way did you even remember that movie existed i mean <sighs> i did in the like far deep recesses of my like as soon as i read it in your list i was like oh yeah okay i remember that but it's not it's, it was basically pushed i out. saw yeah. that movie the day it came out i was like really excited i was Why? a big david duchovny fan ah um, x-files and it's yeah yeah, yeah. It, it seemed interesting but then the whole thing comes down to a fucking head and shoulders commercial. <laughs> I don't even remember anything about it. They use it. Yeah. the selenium that's in head and shoulders to defeat the aliens. That's lovely. Yes. And there's uh, what planet are you from? Yeah. And I love that movie. Movie. Yeah, that's got that's got some moments in His it. His penis is, makes noise. <laughs> it doesn't have like whir around. It whirs. Or, yeah, like uh, there's also Cowboys and Aliens, which oh. if you remember, John Favreau directed. Yes, that. he did. One of the best premises ever fucked up yeah i yeah. mean the idea for that movie is fantastic mm-hmm. aliens invade earth during the time of cowboys and yeah. the cowboys have to fight them back yep. and they made a boring ass movie yeah they did it, it was horrible. i think i may, I may have fallen asleep in that movie i think i may have it would be possible to yeah yeah and um uh, another one that came up not as not really in the same vein because those were sort of like action comedy whatever yeah, type yeah. of alien invasion movies but you also have fire in the sky yeah and uh, i remember watching this in the theaters and i loved it i did too yeah um so yeah you have a lot of stuff like that and then you have like lawrence kasdan's grand canyon yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? steve martin with a beard as i like to call it yeah, yeah i yeah. like that movie a lot <laughs> i remember liking it it's it's been forever since i've seen it but didn't it have like a like a did he do big chill Yes. Okay, so it had that big chill, yes. but it was in the 90s, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it was, was kind of like the, the, the next step in that in that whole vibe, like ensemble piece, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a character story. It was it was good. Yeah. yeah. No, he's got, that's what he does. Yeah. Um, some that you may not know, Bad Santa. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything in that movie that tells you <laughs> no. or stands out? No. What's that movie where it's like New Orleans? But it's we're, Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home. <laughs> Daddy's Home. Like, like, let's set this in New Orleans, but not have any of the character of New we're, Orleans. We're in the fucking suburbs. <laughs> yeah. Well, another one on this list is another Will Ferrell movie because uh, Everything Must Go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's another one that's just like the suburbs. <laughs> it could have been literally anywhere. Why'd you pick her? Yeah. yeah. I love that movie, by the way. You love Everything it? Must yeah. Go? I haven't, I really, I've never really seen like it. it. I feel like it's... Uh, it's got potential. Mm-hmm. I like the idea, and I like his performance a lot. Uh, but I don't really like where it goes. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they've got the the, the whole story with uh, Michael Pena, yeah, and like how he interacts. That's exactly as what I'm his sponsor, about. and like how the rest of it uh, plays out. Yeah, it is a little weird towards the end. But I just like the story. I like the this guy is just completely on his last leg. He's got to sell all of his stuff. He's he's being kicked out of his house. And he wants to sell it because he's dead broke, but yet he doesn't want to sell it because it's like his entire life. And so there's like this weird, it, it's it's a muted Will Ferrell like you see in uh, Stranger, Stranger Than, than Fiction, fiction yeah. things like that. I love seeing that kind of Will Ferrell. Yeah. yeah. Stranger good. Than Fiction, by the way, another movie I happen to see with Jeff. That's right. Oh. And mm. our wives. Yeah. And maybe and that was my, a, my favorite Will Ferrell is muted Will Ferrell. It's, well, yeah. yeah. And that's probably one of my favorite Will Ferrell movies, period. Of all the movies we've talked about so far, Jeffrey, you got anything that you would like like to add about this? Uh, I did see on the list uh, Broken Arrow. Oh, yeah. 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 Action comedies. I'm not sure it tried to be a comedy, but no, um, yeah, that's a, accidental action comedy. You know, uh, that's up there with Con Air and The Rock 
for me of like and even face off with like I know you think face off may be a better movie than those other two but like bad oh, yeah. bad action movies that yeah. I love sure I've well, watched Broken Arrow probably well, like 10 times you remember when Christian Slater was an action star yes he made this movie in hard rain and then realized what the fuck am I doing but he's a good action star it's, no, it's, he's it's just bad movies I think he's fine isn't I, Broken Arrow the one where he and the girl I forget who is the lead Samantha Mathis yeah Samantha. don't they like introduce e- to each other at the end of the movie like that's the whole ending joke is that they finally tell each other their names oh yeah 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 crazy scheme right. trying to you know keep the this, this is in that era post pulp fiction where travolta was gonna be the it guy again <laughs> yeah and of course it takes like six movies to get back down to the trash heap but this is on the way broken arrow was the beginning of a string of john travolta is crazy as fuck <laughs> <laughs> villains that he would play yep. so not only does he play this in the john woo's broken arrow but face off as well yep. and then he also plays it in uh, michael in, oh, yeah michael <laughs> um and uh swordfish and, and phenomena <laughs> phenomena and uh no but the 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 remake of taking a pelham one two three oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, where he's just just insane like he thinks i think he believes that every sort of insane line reading that he can come up with is like just good for the movie in oh, general yeah. and everything and sometimes they're funny sometimes you're like what the fuck yeah he's <laughs> in a whole different universe yeah some of these yeah um but uh yeah broken arrow that's a movie i haven't seen another ever, one i was going to mention uh related to arizona and this is a little bit off the beaten path because it's not a traditional movie but it was a film was u2's rattle and hum oh, oh yeah do you remember that film i do so i fell in love with that thing that was right about the time i was falling in love with u2 uh, that scene from uh, Sun Devil Stadium, mm-hmm. the opening to, I think it's where the streets have no name. It's like a two minute introduction. There is a stage which is dark. There's like a red backlight behind it. You can tell I've seen this movie. I think I've, <laughs> I've probably watched this thing. I used to own it on VHS. I used to put it in usually weekly when I would clean the house or mm-hmm. do something else. I just stick it in and I'd watch it and you know listen to it. So they come walking out on stage kind of in darkness with this red backlight, this all long, low introduction. They start playing their instruments. It's kind of building and then it crescendos and the music hits and this burst of light comes from the stage toward the audience and it jumps to an aerial shot of the stadium and there's a huge crowd and it gives me chills uh, just describing it. Almost it's amazing, getting chills hearing you describe it. But mm-hmm. I love that film. I love that movie. It's pretentious. It's weird. If you tried to do it now, I think it wouldn't work, work as well, but I just loved everything about it and when you mentioned arizona that was the first one that came to mind well since we're talking about arizona movies and football stadiums i'll yeah. just go ahead and throw jerry Maguire out there yeah <laughs> rod tidwell which is it's always been funny to me that he chose and i don't know maybe maybe there was a, a reason business reason but that, that this movie was about the arizona cardinals because <laughs> this movie came out not long after they had moved from st louis to arizona they hadn't been good no like ever no <laughs> and so, anyway, it was. It always struck me as bizarre. Of course, now the Cardinals have had a couple of runs, went to a Super Bowl, and I think are more recognizable. But I always thought, what an obscure team to choose yeah. for this movie. But the movie does pl- spend plenty of time in Arizona at Rod Tidwell's house, at the Cardinals facility, mm-hmm. at the Cardinals stadium for that last game. Although I think they uh, they used Arizona State. Uh, for that as well they didn't use the pro stadium oh but it's still in in, in, in Arizona that's all I care about right 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 Um, so yeah and I just like an excuse to talk about Jerry Maguire yeah man Mm -hmm. shoplift the well we really should export some of these California movies to where the other places that they were shot because when we get to California oh Jesus yeah 
We're going to have to do like a four part. Uh, well, the one, somebody brought up, and this is something that I was thinking about, was that we may not want to go with just Los Angeles and stuff like that. Oh, but yeah. But like no. just actual, like the state of California type of stuff, like outside of the big cities yeah. and everything. Like The Rock? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, but any LA and San Francisco and all these have been shot so many times that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be ridiculous when we start coming up with, you know, I mean, like some movies, we're going to have to come up with movies that have the character of those cities to really like heat heat mm-hmm. is, is a movie that I will say is an LA movie. Right. Sure. So like the, but and here yeah, vices. Yeah. That might actually might have to be a whole episode. It's California. <laughs> it be, yeah. Um, but, uh, another movie that stuck out, even though I haven't seen it in forever, but I just remember being so excited about it was eight legged freaks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I really want, I really, I thought this was the beginning of, of my thought process that you can't make these type of movies on purpose. Mm. You can't go out and go, I want to make a campy, like shitty type of movie and have a cult following and i'm sh- i'm sure eight-legged freak does have a cult following at this time <laughs> i guess I don't, but anything. I don't haven't heard that <laughs> yeah. either but i remember when the trailer came out and it was like david arquette was yep. like you know was like you ate like it freaks yeah. and i was like yeah this is gonna be so shitty and awesome and uh it was like a snakes on a plane before snakes on a plane yeah exactly and uh and i and i really was excited for it and then it came i watched it and i was like oh man it's bad it's really bad yeah, yeah. And, and i think carrie were is in that who carrie were she's like the hardest she named is. name to it's like w W-U-H-R-E-R. If you if you yeah, it's it's like it's like in uh Thirty Rock where they're where they're <laughs> an umlaut. What's it called? Yeah. Umlaut. 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 It, it's like in Thirty Rock where uh the Jane Krakowski character is uh, doing a movie called The Rural Juror. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's got this Carrie Wurr. Um but no, like if you if you uh if you grew up as a teenager and watching Cinemax in the nineties, you know who Carrie Wurr is. Um, <laughs> which is most of us in this room that's right um, well how many movies about spiders really turn out all that good none arachnophobia was not good yeah and it was like going for that same kind of camp too no i didn't no, like it arachnophobia is not good i liked arachnophobia who's in that jeff daniels john, john goodman. goodman and jeff daniels yeah okay i thought jeff daniels yeah yeah it. uh that was one where their their big uh claim to fame was they used actual spiders and they used like you know thousands or something like that <laughs> fuck uh, that noise actual spiders <laughs> never do that by the way that just as a as an aside uh i was i was listening to uh malton uh podcast and they were talking about and it was alfred molina was on there and he was talking about his raiders of the lost ark experience and uh and how he's like those were actual spiders actual tarantulas oh my on god the top, on his on his back that they had to wipe off and everything and he said that he taught he, he said that um he was when he was uh interviewing or talking with spielberg about getting this part and everything uh spielberg was like well can you do uh you know this uh can you do a certain accent blah 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 blah. all the stuff is like yeah yeah and and and, and he's like he's really excited he's like man it's like it's time for me to go i was about to go out the door and everything and i was like oh, i might really get this job and everything and spielberg was like oh yeah do you have a problem with spiders yeah. <laughs> it's like columbo oh, yeah. one more thing well, that's exactly what leonard bolton said oh, really? yeah he said he said, he said <laughs> i feel like a genius he's now. like he's like leonard Moulton was like that reminds me of columbo 
Yeah, yeah. Columbo had that thing that he's remember? <laughs> That's so Lynn. Yeah, yes, it is. It's so Lynn. Lynn. <laughs> um, Jeremy feels like a genius when Leonard Malton hears this, he's gonna feel like an idiot. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's probably true. Although uh, I think it's funny you think Leonard Malton listens to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His daughter does sometimes, yeah, but I doubt he's got the time. Yeah. Um Another one uh, on here that just, you know, Beavis and Butthead do in America. I mean, <laughs> yes, we have a lot of like Grand Canyon movies that we could talk about and stuff like that. This one, they go to the Hoover Dam. Is, is it Hoover Dam? They go to the Hoover Dam and they go to the Grand, Grand Canyon. Yeah, they go to the Grand Canyon yeah, and yeah. everything. But uh, but yeah, that that movie is just uh, it's OK. It's not good. No, but, but it's, it's funny as shit. Yeah. It's almost in that like basketball range where it's like there's so many funny moments in it mm-hmm. that I would recommend it to people, but don't go in there expecting like a good movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's that, that scene where Butthead looks at the TV that's gone. They wake up. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> he sees the footsteps and then... <laughs> <laughs> he sees the open window. He's like, "I just thought of something. Yeah. This sucks." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just figured something out. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, but yeah, that's a. It's it's weird how fun that movie is. Yeah, I I was not expecting, and I loved Beavis and Butthead back in the day, but I was not expecting the movie to be anything worthwhile for me anyway. Right. But. Uh, but it 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 turns out because Mike Judge always does this. He sort of lulls you into thinking that everything that around him is stupid, and that this that he's just doing something stupid. But there's always a little bit of like, oh, yep. he did something kind of smart there mm-hmm. in this in the middle of all the stupidity. Yeah, and, and it what, holds up well. I saw it recently, and I was just laughing my ass. Yeah, off yeah. Uh, what about the island? Yeah, yeah, what about it? Isn't that crazy that that's an Arizona movie? Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> The facility where the clones are is in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, you know, most of the movie takes place there. And mm-hmm. because it is the best Michael Bay movie, in my opinion, yep. um, and actually one I actually enjoy watching, not just uh, the best of all his movies, I thought we should bring it up. I like me some yeah. island. Mm-hmm. And uh, all that, and we haven't even gotten to Raising Arizona, which is yeah. probably the, the, the I mean, it would be the best movie out of this group. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jerry Maguire's got a case. I'll go 310 to Yuma. I just, I've never been the guy that loves Raising Arizona. Mm. Oh, really? It's just one of those Coens that just, I, I, I don't think it's bad. I just, I don't see, like Josh, my buddy Josh loves this movie. And yeah, I love it too. Always tried to get me to like it as much as he did, and it just never worked. Totally agree with you. I, wow. I like this movie a decent amount, but I've just never fallen in love with it like I have the other Cohen stuff. That's weird. Yeah, I love yeah. I'm not alone. Oh my God, yeah. guys, just murdered me. <laughs> you got you got in full sight of Jeffrey. You have murdered me. <laughs> I don't even know you anymore. I mean, Barrett, I barely know you. Um, I think you, it's but a very even, very good know. movie, and oh. I laugh, but it's it. I don't oh. have the emotional connection. Oh. I think it right is the you. perfect Nick Cage I'm, vehicle ever. Like it is so perfectly executed i think particularly for him and the story I you mean, only say so that because you haven't seen the wicker man <laughs> this is the way i felt when you guys picked sideways over <laughs> oh, geez. okay uh, in, in my defense i have come to regret that decision uh, <laughs> um but anyway, i didn't realize i was gonna hurt you so bad no no that's uh no raising arizona just happens to be uh, uh a fantastic movie that i can't believe anybody could possibly hate but there you go we don't hate it we you do hate it. it you we, do i hate it i, I want to pee on it yeah um here's an interesting one 
Have you ever seen Alice Doesn't Live Here anymore? I haven't. Um, um, amazingly enough, I have never seen it. But of course, I did watch the TV show that it was based off of yeah. Alice. And it took me forever to really connect the dots just because I never really thought about it. The first time it. I heard that, I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Scorsese did Alice Doesn't Live Here anymore. They wouldn't have made a fucking TV show like that <laughs> yeah. out, of, out of some Scorsese movie. And yeah, they did. And it's dramatic as shit, too, mm, man. Really? There's, there's a little bit of elements of humor uh but yeah it's uh, she moves out actually from... no i think i have seen this i think i finally got around to seeing it but it's just one of those movies that it it's not super memorable to mm -hmm. me or anything so no i mean it's it's about like an abusive relationship after uh i think her husband dies and she moves out mm -hmm. uh trying to get to california but she has to stop in uh in arizona uh i think it's around phoenix or something like that mm -hmm. and uh and has to start working at this diner mel's diner uh with with flow and you know the sassy waitress and all that stuff uh but it's a dramatized version of it really? by, by the way because alice will never come up again <laughs> in this podcast <laughs> um i used to watch alice quite a bit and there's one episode in in the uh in the series where vera um has this they find out that she has this ability to tell the future so she's like keeps on coming up with these like, oh, this is going to happen. And it's like, uh, you know, these small things or whatever. And these things happen. And then finally, she comes up with one where she's like, all this is there's going to be a person who comes in and he's going to have a gun and he's going to point it at somebody and bang. And that's all I know. And like, so every single thing that she predicts in that prediction happens except nobody dies and it's just like the gun is shot and it's like not even uh it's not even serious or whatever it's hmm. like you know whatever and so their conclusion is that vera can't tell the future after that like i was so this they just like let's just go ahead and write that off she can't tell the future, even though every single detail happened they're like it's like well so you can't tell the future you're not it's not a big deal and i was like god damn even at six years old i was like god damn i was like are you serious she predicted everything except the bang part she didn't she didn't tell you what was going to happen after the bang doesn't mean she can't tell the future okay back to um, back to stuff that's not alice <laughs> oh my goodness um, there were some others on here that i have never i've never seen stir crazy oh really yeah. yeah that's a pretty good one that's when uh it's a uh gene wilder and richard pryor joint where they they literally go to prison in arizona and i think mm, they're, they're trying to break out and it was remade and called let's go to prison that's yeah, right that's so. right <laughs> however i have unfortunately seen terminal velocity have you seen this yes i have oh, so have I. <laughs> oh yeah well there were two skydiving action thrillers that's correct there was the drop time. zone there you go and there was terminal and velocity wesley snipes was wesley in snipes was in drop zone yeah. can i can i read a little bit of the description from terminal velocity yes, please, by the way? please former olympic gymnast turned daredevil skydiver <laughs> ditch brody that's what charlie sheen is ditch brody ditch brody is charlie sheen's yeah. character so somebody <laughs> was like let's do point break again basically <laughs> i really should stop and it's there. uh <laughs> it's uh nastasha kensky right yes she's the uh the instructor 
There's a scene in there where he, of course, he jumps out and the parachute doesn't open. <laughs> and Nastasha Kinski has to, like, do the whatever the fuck it is that people do to get faster falling. Yeah. <laughs> is that a thing? Can people faster fall? I guess they yeah, can. I think so. Um, and, and has to catch up with him and, like, use her parachute and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, one of those. <laughs> Terminal velocity. Terminal velocity, man. Yeah. There's another really good movie that we haven't mentioned, and that's Thelma and Louise, speaking yep. of yeah. Ridley Scott. Yeah um uh thelma and louise man that's uh i can't even imagine that movie without some sort of desert backdrop yeah well the ending is so iconic Mm -hmm. and it's i haven't seen it what happens (laughs) (laughs) they live happily ever after yes they they marry brad pitt in like this they go to utah and Mm -hmm. become polygamous yes sister wives that's right I'd forgotten the <laughs> I'd forgotten the Mormon angle to Thelma yeah. and Louise. Yeah, good. Brad Pitt, huge Mormon in that movie. Yes, oh, man. big time. Big yeah. time. Cowboy Mormon. Comes in there like with his bare chest and his book of Mormon, and he's just like, come on. Have you heard the good news? Uh one movie that I actually caught the other day on Stars was Biodome. Oh yes. <laughs> But you've regretted oh that. My God. it like a virus. Oh, my God, man. Bio, Biodome is in, at the height of Polly Shore's uh, popularity. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, there was a time where we actively bought tickets for Polly Shore yes. movies. And Biodome, I think, was the crescendo I think of so. that. Because after that, everything pretty much, I think everything he did after Biodome tanked. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Biodome. And then another story about that is that William Atherton didn't do mall rats to do this movie oh i didn't know that yeah he he they wanted kevin smith wanted william atherton to play the um i think the michael rooker character oh really you could totally see him in that. yeah and uh and he said no and went and did buy <laughs> <laughs> oh my god who's the co-star it's one of the bald ones right steven yeah steven baldwin <laughs> nothing sucks about being a bald one <laughs> <laughs> yep have you seen south park the movie Yes, a long time ago. That's yeah. from that. We've all we've all seen that <laughs> entirely too many times. Yes, we have. Biodome. The last one on here that I noticed was Universal Soldier. Yeah, and uh, I haven't seen that in forever. But that was Roland Emmerich's, I believe, either his first feature or it was at least his first big feature in in, in the states. Anyway, that's my favorite John Claude Van Damme movie. I think. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hmm. Sudden Death and Time well, Cop yes. all the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could give you twenty minutes on Time Cop right now. <laughs> Time Cop is really good. Oh, it's preposterous, but it's awesome. (laughs) I mean, and, and, you know, I don't know. That's got a good following, I think. Emmerich, this is before Emmerich turned into the Emmerich we know from, really started with Independence Day. Yeah. Where everything had to be this large scale destruction type of everything he's made since Independence Day has been that, essentially. Except for like. The Raven was it? The Raven, I think that he did. Uh, is that no. the John Cusack? Yeah, I think did he, he did that? that one. He did something like that. That's there hilarious. was another. There was one in there that was uncharacteristic. No, it was called Anonymous. That was the Shakespeare. Uh, the, the Shakespeare thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. I saw um, that. Where where uh, the the theory that there was never a yeah. Shakespeare. There was, was the guy behind it. Guy yeah. behind Shakespeare. Guy behind mm-hmm. the guy. Yeah. Guy behind, guy behind, behind the guy. guy. Um, there were some others that I looked up uh, that they're not necessarily set in arizona but they were shot there and there were just some things that were i thought was interesting like bill and ted's excellent adventure was Mm -hmm. shot in phoenix oh and uh they uh they they made it san dimas in the in the movie 
but it's one of the only two movies that Jeff saw growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I actually knew it was in the mall, right? They did uh, it all in the Glendale. Yes, yeah, so, I don't, I don't remember I all so. the different different things, but like, um, but yeah, apparently that was nearly all shot in Arizona. San Dimas High Football Rules. <laughs> yeah. uh, Planet of the Apes. The mm-hmm. entire thing is, I think, shot in the Arizona. original. Yeah, the original Planet of the Apes. Uh, Three Kings is the same way. I think. I think they shot a lot of desert scenes for Three Kings in Arizona. Really? And- yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I'm I I can't doubt it because almost all these desert things that I'm running into, or Arizona was involved. Are we so. shooting people today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like uh, Trans America is another one that mm-hmm. was shot in there. Um, the Jerry Lewis Nutty Professor was shot at uh, one of the Arizona universities. Oh, um, Casablanca has a scene at the hotel. The uh, it's in Casablanca, but I can't remember the actual hotel there. That's in Arizona, even mm-hmm. though everything else was in a California set, LA set. It was that one scene at the hotel. So yeah, Arizona. Yeah, lots of stuff. <laughs> I would like to take a moment. To give a shout out to one of my favorite trashy reality shows of all time. And it's called Party Heat. <laughs> Party Heat. And you know I like my trashy reality shows. I like my real world. I like, um, you know, anything where hot people get together and drink and fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Naked and Afraid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I read an article interviewing Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. And he said that uh, Daniel J. Lewis loves Naked and Afraid. <laughs> came to the set one day and said have you ever seen this naked and afraid show i can't stop watching yeah i swear to god it's kind of like that right if if, Dan, if it's good enough for daniel day lewis it's good enough for me that's true anyway party heat was a short-lived uh cops knockoff that for the for the two best seasons the only two seasons really worth watching takes place at lake havasu which is in arizona yeah um think grand canyon surrounding pretty blue lake mm-hmm. during spring break so it's literally shit ton of boats all tied together in the middle of the yeah, water. Yeah, they link them all people up, People right? drinking like crazy, people smoking weed, people doing sex. And then there's <laughs> nice. these boat cops out there basically doing what they do on cops on the water. And it's awesome. Oh, my God. Because spring breaking college kids are the care not havingest people that ever existed <laughs> <laughs> like give negative fucks about especially once they're drunk and oh my god i've never seen this what is there for the cops to do if in fact all of them have linked themselves together in one location like what are the cops well they'll step the over doing? the boats basically for the most part they're looking for drugs they're trying to stop fights and they're looking for people who are intoxicated while operating a boat so They'll they'll come up on a boat that's making too much noise, and they'll check everybody's ID and find out who's driving. Make sure they'll get breathalyzers and whatnot. And you know, nine times out of ten, the guy who was driving the boat was drunk. Says he isn't. They catch him and take him to shore. Couple of beers. But what I want to see is a cop flying from his boat, tackling somebody into the water. Oh, I'm sure that happened on an episode nice. at some point. I mean, there was a couple episodes where there were just flat out brawls between drunk partygoers in the middle of the lake. They're like swim fighting. They're breakdance fighting. Uh, anyway, I, because we were in Arizona and I like to be unique, I thought I'd bring up some party heat. <laughs> yeah. See it. Seek it out. And and one other, you brought up a, a list of like stuff you hadn't seen before. The one that on this list that I have seen is a million different ways to die in the West. Oh, God. Which is not good at no. all. Uh, no. I heard that. And you know, I'm disappointed. I, like, I was really, I do like I, Seth MacFarlane. I, don't, I think Family Guy got a little bit too stupid. That's why I don't watch it as much anymore. But 
Um, but I, I generally like, I mean, I liked Ted and I even like Ted too. I, I think Ted too is actually maybe possibly funnier than the first one. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just one of those where nobody gave, nobody really watched it or liked Ted too. So then when you, it's kind of like the horrible bosses yeah. too thing <laughs> where you just pick it up finally and just watch it and you're like, Oh, well that was fine. Yeah. You know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, a million different ways to die in the West was, uh, not good at all. Mm um it was just miss after miss after miss like you could almost hear the crickets oh yeah. yeah yeah it's really it's really not good um all right on to arkansas yeah yeah or and we're done yeah, yeah. <laughs> i actually wrote in my notes this state sucks um there isn't much now the the i think the the maybe the the biggest one is sling blade mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um billy bob thornton is from arkansas Oh, is he? Oh. Yeah, I believe he is from Arkansas. If not Arkansas, it's like Texas close Who to Arkansas. Who would claim to be that? Yeah, <laughs> was not. Um, but uh, but uh, Sling Blade is a great movie, and I haven't seen it in forever. But um, It's a phenomenal movie. Yeah, but it's one of those I've seen probably, I've probably seen it four or five times, but I haven't seen it in forever since If you then. watch it again, watch it for, don't watch it for Billy Bob, because he got all the glory, and I think his performance is great, and mm-hmm. he directed it too. Right? yes he yeah. did but john ritter is fucking yes, awesome he is. In this. and so is the dwight kid. yokum is great in dwight this. yokum is yeah. awesome in this too but the kid who would go lucas on to black. be yeah uh lucas black yeah mm-hmm. the kid from tokyo drift yeah yeah he's fantastic <laughs> mm-hmm. in this. and 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 x files <laughs> just because i remember <laughs> tokyo drift first what other what else are you gonna throw out there that no, he was no, you're probably right <laughs> x files man he was in x files right after this uh, all right. Uh, but uh no it, you would you, you know lucas black from tokyo drift yeah. and that's pretty much it yeah i guess uh, so you may know him from sling oh, Blade, friday he, night lights he's in that too oh yeah yeah that's right that's right um <laughs> but uh but yeah sling blade is an awesome movie and uh and uh, I don't know what happened to Billy Bob Thornton as far as writing and directing, because it used to be that he was one of those guys that I believe would like take an Armageddon to do a movie like Sling Blade. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was, mm-hmm. I thought he was living that life where he was, I'm going to take this shitty movie where I can get paid a lot of money and then make my own smaller films. And he just hasn't been around or at least hasn't come out with anything that's we know about in a long time i thought sling blade was so well done this guy would be doing this forever and like i don't know he's he's he definitely seems to have taken more interest in acting and than directing yeah and and his band and all that you know maybe it's one of those cases where (laughs) his band maybe it's one of those cases where because he's from arkansas and this was such an intimate personal story for him that he realized that's all i got yeah i don't have another one um i gotta go I'll just I'll just go act now again. And I think he's kind of a weird dude. Oh yeah, like, I think he's a little bit off really? filter compared yeah. to yeah, others. So, because so, like, even when you think about some of the movies that he's chosen to be in as an actor, he makes some odd choices. Like I'm forgetting the name, but what's the one with the flight controllers? Pushing tin. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's just a weird. I mean it's decent, but it's kind of just a weird choice for somebody. If I'm remembering correctly, where Do you he like how I knew that immediately? Yeah, where he would have been in his career trajectory at that point, yeah. but then have done that. You know, when he married Angelique Jolie and just some weird stuff about they him. They were married sure when they made that movie. Quite right. Yeah. And uh, wearing so, vials of blood of each other on their right. necklaces. That's right. I, I, I looked him up and I forgot that he did all the pretty horses, which was you know, oh, the yeah. Matt Damon movie. Funny story, by the way. I read an interview a couple weeks ago, and apparently Matt Damon was courted pretty heavily for Brokeback Mountain. 
Um, really? But he had just made all the pretty horses and apparently oh. told Ang Lee, I just made a gay cowboy movie. I can't make another one. <laughs> he also did something called Daddy and Them, which I don't know, and Jane's, Jane Mansfield's car? Oh, really? I heard about that. Wow. And then upcoming project, he has one called- Daddy and Them sounds like that Louis C.K. movie we're never going to get to see. Oh, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> and then he's got mm-hmm. an upcoming project called And Then We Drove. Oh, in Jane Mansfield's car. Maybe that'd be awesome if that was the sequel to that movie. (laughs) That would be awesome. He was in the movie version of Friday Night Lights. Uh Yes, he was was. very good. I think it got overshadowed by the television series, um, but he was really good in that. Yeah, Yeah, he definitely got talent in a a lot of different directions. He just sometimes makes. I forgot that was a little reunion there with with him and uh, Lucas Black. Um, maybe he has a cameo in Tokyo Drift and we just didn't realize it yeah he probably does he's Han's father yeah yeah, exactly Um, Han's Han's father father. (laughs) you uh you have to you have to that's a a faker that's a faker because you're sitting there going Han's father sure yeah oh isn't Han Asian (laughs) Tokyo Drift Tokyo um one movie that I was I I didn't remember this True Grit yeah no, uh, it was yeah. it was in Arkansas I did not re- I I'd forgotten all about that I because Matt Damon again Damon uh, is playing a Texas Ranger in there I right. just assumed it was Texas and everything but it's a isn't it that he's gone to Arkansas yeah he's chasing after the the outlaw that that killed yeah Steinfeld right right yeah. right. Um, but True Grit, another great movie, and we got the Coen Brothers back. Coen Brothers in two movies. I'm telling you, I love this movie. And and again, I think I've said this earlier or in a previous podcast, but I like the remake better than I like the original. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, John Wayne in the original is so revered as Rooster Cogburn, I thought Jeff Bridges fucking killed it. He did. He did. I just I wish that it hadn't given birth to so many Jeff Bridges Rooster Cogburn roles. Yep. Because I feel like there have been three movies since then where he talks almost exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So find a new voice because you're a great actor. Hell or High Water, uh, new, yeah. Bad Blake, what was that? Uh, well, and then the one with Ryan. Crazy Heart. Crazy the Heart. The Men yeah. in Black ripoff. He had that oh, same kind of voice. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, and then there's Mud, which you said you haven't seen. I would say, I would suggest to all of you go watch Mud if you haven't, if you haven't seen it. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. It sounds like that. a depression era insult. Go watch Mud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you ever heard somebody order a cup of coffee and be like, "Cup of Mud"? Uh, I have not. Uh, <laughs> he's like, "No, nah, man. I think you get your ass kicked for saying something like that." Um, but yeah, Mud is really good. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's about the. It's a uh, Matthew McConaughey is playing this guy who's running from the law or whatever, and these two kids befriend him and start helping him out secretly. You know, and he's, you know, tell him to go get this and go get that, whatever. But it's really good. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's called mud. I know it's, it's yeah, yeah. something where it's like it's hard to, to get your, uh, excitement up for it. But, uh, I really enjoyed this. It's, uh, it's a, again, another one of these type of movies. We don't get to talk about that often. Mm-hmm. And this, it come, this comes up and it's, uh, it's excellent. I recommend it. Um, Another thing from uh, from Arkansas, and there has been a ton of movies about this subject, and it's so you have Paradise Lost came out uh, on HBO about the West Memphis Three and everything. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's 
really interesting to watch this story unfold over the years. Mm. I watched Paradise Lost in college in like 1995, 96. Oh, really? It's been that long? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, and uh, and at the time, it was just that one had come out. And they had come to all these different conclusions by the time of the first one that the first one, when you watch it now, is antiquated. Mm. Like they've they figured out so many different things through the you know, the different forensic tests and stuff like that, that Arkansas just didn't have back in the nineties. It was much easier for the residents of Arkansas to believe this was some sort of satanic killing and everything because they hadn't heard about like, you know, stuff like, I don't want to get too into the gruesome natures of the, of the the killings or whatever, but they, uh, the killings themselves were, were, were simple. And then everything that happened afterwards with the bodies is what people thought that the satanic stuff. Came hmm. So stuff that where, you know, like animals come in and start feeding and stuff like that. Um, that, that stuff that they did, I don't think they knew in the first paradise Lost. Hmm. by the second one, they do know that cause they've got, finally they got experts and stuff like that. And they're like, trying to figure out who could have possibly done this and everything. And they come to the conclusion in the second one wrongly that Mm -hmm. they kept, keep getting this. They keep wanting to get a narrative where they're like, this is the person who probably did it. And it's just based on watching these movies. You can see how a story continually evolves and you can't just look at something the first time, Mm. the first reports you hear about something and say, that's the truth Mm. but people do that all the time Mm -hmm. they see that first thing and they're like oh that's the truth and they can't be convinced otherwise afterwards that's all we do at this point that's all we do all twitter is good for is to solidify some take Mm -hmm. that is never undone just because it was the first one i find it like i keep seeing these people who clap back at the president or some other pundit that says something silly and i'm like well you, you actually think he's reading that like like Patton Oswalt, mm-hmm. does it more as often as anyone. Mm-hmm. And, and I know a, a famous person like him might just be doing it for the benefit of his own fans and his own brand, if you will. But everyday people do this. Pe- people that are fans of us, I'll see them clap back at some pundit like, oh, you shut your fucking face. You're evil. And it's <laughs> like, what's the point? Yeah. That guy knows you think he's evil. Mm-hmm. You're actually probably just playing into his hand by giving him the attention he wants to make you say "fuck you," you're evil. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, it, it, I mean, I know this is somewhat off topic, but I love talking about this. It, it brings up. I mean, we're talking about Arkansas, and we're talking about movies from Arkansas, but this brings up another thing that I'd love to talk about, <laughs> and it's just the fact that this story changed so much over the years that by the time you watch the first Paradise Lost, you're pretty convinced that the three didn't do it. Mm. When the second one, when people actually come in and scientifically explain they probably didn't do it and that people are getting their panties in a twist because these people listen to like fucking heavy metal music and shit. That's basically their whole the whole reason they were convicted Yeah, was because, oh, he had he listened to heavy metal and he had some books in his. I mean, <laughs> it's like, are you serious? They yeah. got they got convicted because of this because mm-hmm. and, and the judges like even after they're told, yeah, these kids couldn't have possibly have done it. These judges are like, oh, we're staying by it, man. They, they did it. And there's no doubt about it. They did it because they don't ever want to admit that they made a mm-hmm. mistake. Um, so 
there's about i think there's four or five movies about west there might be more by by now there's the three paradise there's lost. three paradise lost there's i think you saw like a different west memphis i did i don't remember what it was called uh it actually i think it might have been called west memphis three or something like been. that it was it was at least had that name in it and, and I, it was from the last couple of years and that one came out during the time of the the, the retrial or the they were exonerated they were right? exonerated I, I i mean it's not really spoiler at this point but um yeah at this point that 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 was that weird thing where they had to say they were guilty of the crime but they were let they were let go because of it was just it's a weird rule they had mm. to basically say they were guilty yeah before they knew for certain the the state was going to keep its side of the bargain right like there was this whole tension of like we might say we're guilty and then they go yeah that's what we said all along and yeah throw them yeah, back in prison. yeah yeah and one guy wasn't gonna do it one guy was holding out and his family had to basically beg him to do it because he was on principle alone he wasn't gonna say he did something he right didn't do. yeah and uh and that was it was some weird loophole thing where you basically said i'm guilty but they're gonna let you go because they know you're not guilty but they don't want you to get want you to be able to sue afterwards, mm, right? And so it's like it's uh, it's insane. It's insane to me this whole thing ever happened, and I'm sure it happens everywhere mm-hmm. and a lot of different places. There's probably a hundred thousand different of these cases where people were convicted for something stupid like that. Yep. Um. So yeah, it's interesting to me just based on just watch those movies in order. Meanwhile, and, I get away with all the crimes I commit. Oh, well, no, sure. Nice. I'm just telling you. Yeah. I'm well, on you a lucky streak. You don't go around bragging about it. <laughs> Not on the podcast. You'll listen to a lot of people. Uh, it's just, that's the thing for me though. Is this interesting? Is watch those movies in order and then tell me why we should take news that comes into our into our feeds that are, as the something is happening. Don't take it. 100 mm-hmm. percent guys you can't yeah. do that well and we learned that again with the boston bombing where yep. we you know reddit incorrectly identified the bomber yeah and people started witch hunting him online and harassing him and you know 12 hours later they caught the real guy and yeah. it happened but, with the parkland shooter too yeah it happened i was sitting there watching that unfold on cnn and I was like sitting there, like they've got all these people on there, like, well, well, you know, one thing that you could say is if this happened, is that this could have happened. And you're like, God damn it, stop saying that. Yeah. There are going to be people who believe that forever yeah. now that you've said this. Yeah. So anyway. my favorite is especially on Twitter when something will happen and within 12 to 14 hours, you know, like immediately there's this movement. Oh, everyone's got to empathize with this particular thing because of what happened. And then everyone starts like doing something like wearing a ribbon. And if you don't post the <laughs> yeah. ribbon picture on your profile yeah. picture or whatever, then you must not Who doesn't believe want to this. wear the ribbon? Yeah. And then, yeah. But then literally, you know, within days, then there'll be some article that's written as a backlash to the people who are wearing the ribbon because they don't get it quite as much as now this new take gets it. Well, it's like, and then there'll be people following that. And then they'll come. I've seen that happen more than once where there are like four iterations of takes over one thing because we're trying to pretend we can make a definitive decision about something in hours when most of us need days, weeks, sometimes months or years to really think critically about important things. We just don't have that space. Well, and we, you know, to a certain extent, I feel like this ex- exposes a good part of the, humanity's nature is that we want to do something to help. We want to feel like we can contribute. This is why we we like the tweets or send the thoughts and prayers or wear the ribbon or what have you. 
Uh, but they just did the BAFTA Awards and a bunch of the actresses said, hey, we're going to wear black in honor of this Me Too, Time's Up or whatever. And the Kate Middleton wore a green dress. And people gave her shit yeah, because she didn't wear a black dress to support the movement. And I'm just like, you're manufacturing bullshit to get upset about at this point. Wear black if you want to support the movement. Maybe she didn't get the memo. Maybe yeah. she's a future queen and can do whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah. <laughs> but don't tell me the color of her dress decides where she stands on an issue. Yeah, it's so silly. Uh, but you had this buried in the email, the movie that came out, they Hollywoodized as Devil's Not. Right. And I have not seen this movie. I haven't either. Uh, has, no, I have a long time has ago. It's Colin Firth and Reese Witherspoon in it. Yeah. I didn't even know this movie came out. Well, when you think of Colin Firth, you think of Arkansas. I, I do. Gonna, which two of the West Memphis Three are they playing? Well, they're not, but uh, <laughs> they... <laughs> they're uh, like... Uh, I, yeah, Colin Firth is playing Ron Lax, who I don't remember in this story. Was he the attorney? I guess he They're must probably be both story. playing attorneys. But no, or... Reese Witherspoon is playing Pam Hobbs. That's one of the oh, mothers. Yeah, uh, and uh, Alessandra Navola is playing Terry Hobbs. That is uh, extremely like amazing for Terry Hobbs, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> Alessandra Navola <laughs> is like a fucking male model, and Terry Hobbs is a garbage piece of human piece of shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well i feel like again because i like to be weird i feel like while we're in arkansas we should talk a little bit about primary colors yeah just because mm -hmm. this is the fictionalized uh bill clinton story essentially mm -hmm. uh and he was the governor of arkansas uh, ran began his campaign for president as relative nobody and of course ended up winning um and was you know there are all these stories about clinton being kind of a womanizer and, and this book was written anonymously at first like yep. we know who wrote it now uh, but when it came out and was released and you don't know who wrote it, <laughs> it's but the Joe Klein. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> thought you had me, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I was convinced there was no way you knew who wrote that book. Anyway, I enjoy this movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of great actors. Billy Bob is in here um, giving us. Uh, who's he playing? He's playing the James Carville. James, James Carville. Yeah, yeah. uh, more Tierney's in this. Um, Emma Thompson, Kathy Bates. Uh, and Travolta gives a good performance here. This oh, yeah. is not uh, that mustache twirling evil Travolta we were talking about, although yeah. this is in the same it's general a era. Travolta and Billy Bob in these two states. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is the reason for that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, you know, because uh, some of it takes place at his home and you know, on, on the early parts of the campaign before they go out on the road, uh, it's technically an Arkansas movie. Yeah. Do, does, do they ever outright say Arkansas in this? Yeah. I he's, don't he's the governor of Arkansas. Oh, he is? Yeah. Okay. Because I don't think any of the movie itself is actually shot in, in Arkansas. But oh, I'm like, sure it's probably not. But like yeah I, I that's i read the book too i read the uh read this book and they they're also so very careful not to say anything specific but i guess if they do say governor of arkansas or mm -hmm. whatever then well they can fictionalize that yeah but, i mean yeah, it's, it's totally the other governor of arkansas this totally. is this, this is the exact same Mike Huckabee. Yeah. this is as technical as things get because he's playing bill clinton yeah. and emma thompson is playing hillary clinton and uh there's some great great moments mm -hmm. here especially between kathy bates and the two leads because mm -hmm. she's this like no nonsense but also kind of crazy uh like fixer for like yeah campaigns. the dust buster yeah <laughs> uh anyway good good film good book check mm -hmm. it out arkansas what else we got anything gordy <laughs> <laughs> you have any any thoughts on gordy <laughs> you know i i've nope. watched gordy i think twice really wow. and i don't remember anything in the parts that i do remember are babe huh <laughs> Uh, 
I heard. <laughs> I think I heard this movie was actually really good. I've never is. seen it. Again, it probably is perfectly fine. I've, I've you've never got two seen Babe it, movies to but, yeah, but it did come out uh, right after Babe, and like it was, in fact, it came out the same year. I think it did. 95? Yeah, it came yeah. out the same year, and uh, how in the world did we have two talking <laughs> pig movies? I don't know, man. There's uh, Brendan Fraser. I don't know if you read the Brendan Fraser I interview. read it. It was fantastic. But he's working on a J. Paul Getty's uh, series. That, Even though we have a movie that just came it's out. It's not Ridley Scott that's doing it. Um, Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. Doing mm. it. Well, he's producing it. So it's like, you know, why... Why do we have these? Why do we have Dante's Peak and Volcano in the same fucking? Yeah. Year, As you know? an aside, you sh- everybody should read that Brendan Fraser article if you guys. Yeah, read I read it. it. Um, mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It, it both gives great insight into the man, uh, where he's been when he we haven't been seeing him in movies. Uh, just seems like a really quirky, yeah. awesome dude. I love the part where he goes. <laughs> I just need to let some arrows fly, and you think he's being philosophical, and he literally stands up and goes outside and starts shooting arrows <laughs> yeah, at his yeah. target. Oh, yeah. uh, great read. That is a fantastic. Uh, I, also, I just thought of this. This is neither here nor there, but since you mentioned the uh, limited series he's working on, reminded me. Have you guys been watching this Waco series on I Paramount? Uh-huh. I saw like a three-hour report on it on like 2020. And it basically covered everything that they're going to cover, except that they showed live footage from that. Actual oh yeah, thing. yeah. So, I don't know. I I was drawn in. I feel like Michael Shannon and Taylor Kitsch are both playing opposite their type Mm -hmm. because Michael Shannon's playing this really Mm -hmm. subdued negotiator guy. You would definitely think of him as Koresh. Exactly. And Taylor Kitsch is, you know, I think of him as more as the FBI guy than Koresh. There's also a, a, a Culkin in this. It's Rory. Oh, yeah. But I swear to God, I'm watching this episode. I think it was last night, the most recent episode. Um, By the way, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Um, But. This guy came in to talk to Koresh, and he basically wants to leave. He's scared of dying, and he's really tall, and he's got long hair. And I was like, man, that guy could almost be a Culkin. <laughs> like, I'm joking about mm-hmm. it. And I looked up the cast later, and it's Rory Culkin. Yeah. Ah. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, he, he looks different enough that it shouldn't be him, but similar enough that he could have been him. Anyway, yeah. I find that series good. I'm going to keep watching. By the way, our memories of Gordy and Babe are even wronger than we thought. Sweet. They so, came out eight years apart. No, no. They came out the same year, but Gordy was first. And the one pig's oh, a dog. Oh, really? Gordy came out first in May, and Babe came out in August. Um which is weird to me. Like, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if I look later on and find out that Gordy's actual release date that they show here on the IMDb is like some fucking international film festival bullshit. Yeah. And they actually <laughs> came out with it in November of 95 or something like that. But, um, but yeah. And Gordy also has a 3.9 on the IMDb. Yikes. So it was not well received. <laughs> like I, I had a, I, for whatever reason, I thought that it actually had some decent, uh, you know, people who liked it or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure there is people who like it, but, <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, I was uh, surprised by that. I thought Gordy came out afterwards. Interesting. Uh, so Babe turned out to be the copycat of that year. Yeah, I guess so. But it was the better copycat. Yes. Uh, here to talk about movie again. Yes. Movie. And, uh, and I have uh, since our last podcast, I've done three, three more movies. Wow. On, yeah. On movie. Uh, I watched uh, Damien Chazelle's first one. Okay. Uh, Guy and Madeline sitting on a park bench. What did you wait, think? Was, is that a Guy and Madeline on a, on park, a bench. park bench. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, uh, that comprises five seconds of the movie is when they're <laughs> sitting on, on, <laughs> true. on the park bench. Multiple angles. Um, yeah. yeah um, uh, that was an unusual movie. Um, I, it's, it's fun to see where these people come from yes. and everything. And man, uh, Barrett was talking about this in the email. The music 
from uh, it's it's, uh, it's awesome. Hurwitz again. Yeah, yeah, from yeah Justin Hurwitz. Justin Hurwitz yeah. again. Um, it's funny. It's like this movie's very like sort of a, a, like a school like college type of movie, which you know? he made it in college. Yeah, at he Harvard. made it in college. Yeah. Um, and there's this there's this score with this amazing orchestral sound yeah. to it. It's it just doesn't seem like you know like how is it possible like know. like that the money the the money that took to make that movie and the, the the like to get a to get something that well composed in a movie like that huh. I mean that would probably cost more than the entire movie does. <laughs> that's like like how ridiculously good that that music is well and they also cast an actual trumpet player in the the role of the the, oh, the yeah. main protagonist and you can tell like. He's not really the best actor, but he's unbelievable. Jason Palmer is the mm-hmm. guy's name. Uh, and there's one scene in that movie. Uh, if you've ever ridden public transit and like, you know, you see millions of people in public transit all the time. Uh, but like sometimes you kind of feel a connection to somebody and like, you know, especially if they're good looking and that kind of thing. Or like they, they just look at you differently. There's a scene on a train where a guy and this other girl like kind of just connect and they they kind of touch a little bit and yeah they, it is awesome it's the best part of the movie it really is uh, this movie you can tell it's very low budget and like the sound quality is and all that great outside yeah, yeah, of the, mu- yeah. the music uh but yeah you can definitely see where damien chazelle's going yeah you can see la la land sort yep. of in this first uh, this first movie he's made because it breaks out into some musical stuff. There's even one of the shots where, like in La La Land, where the camera's going back and forth. Yep, yep. and everything. Oh, cool. <laughs> and so, like, you can see that is one of the great things about a service like this is seeing these type of you know these first movies. You see where these people come from, and yeah, maybe that movie isn't the best that they could possibly. Maybe it is. It might be the best that they could possibly do at the time. Yeah, at the, the time. Resources mm-hmm. they have. But you get to see them before they've they've made it big and everything you can kind of see that raw version of themselves and everything and it's really fun to do that type of thing i also saw barry jenkins first feature yeah was that good uh medicine for melancholy that was very good actually um uh i i was a little worried because the rating on it didn't seem as high as you know as as normal but like when i watched it i really got into it that's kind of slow and kind of a before sunrise uh Hmm. type movie but uh, I really liked it. Awesome. So um, that's the thing about this service, man. These movies that come on that you would never, ever get a chance to watch normally come on and, you know, it's you got, you got your mix of experimental stuff and stuff that you may have heard of before, but you never got a chance to watch. Yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, it's really easy. Just sign up. You get a 30-day free trial when you go to Mubi.com slash CinemaSins, M-U-B-I.com slash CinemaSins. 30 days of free content, you will be raving about these movies like we are. That's like 60 movies. I know. And then if, you, if you're if you not digging it, go on with your life. <laughs> Move on. What, what's the harm? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, I, you know, a lot, of, a lot of companies might try and offer you something that sounds like a free trial. Right. Uh, this is a free trial. Try it. That's the, <laughs> with this, we're, we're not fooling you. Yeah. It's, Just go to mubi.com slash cinemasense. Yeah. If you are... If you are looking to see some stuff that you've like they they do all these great director retrospectives and they do all these great foreign film things i think that's their bread and butter yeah. really 
you know, they'll, it'll be like, here are three movies from this one guy in the seventies in Poland. And you would be like, (laughs) and you would be like, Oh, I never thought of that before. Uh And they, and, and you were introduced into a new world of cinema that you probably have not been introduced to before. And that's, what's exciting about it. So, uh, like I said, you gotta, you gotta go try it. If you're, if you're the type that's tired of the same old, same old, same old, Mm -hmm. that is a perfect. And let's be honest. There's so much same old, same old, same old going on these days. Um, you know, certain, certainly the mainstream population seems to be okay with same old, same old, Mm -hmm. but I think the hardcore movie geeks, uh, people who consider themselves cinephiles, they want to find this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, Google is a powerful tool, but it's not, you can't just go uh, films I've never seen that are experimental from Poland. (laughs) You're not going to find that this service is going to deliver you exactly the kind of stuff that you're looking for. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, free trial, 30 days. What are you waiting for? Movie.com slash cinema sins. Do it. So we're going to do some rants? Yeah, we should be good to go. Okay. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. All right. Who wants to? Jeffrey, do you want to rant about something? You want me to start? Yeah. Okay. So my rant, uh, actually, I'm just going to go back to Annihilation and tell you that I read a review uh, right before we went to see the movie. Not, I just stumbled on it. but the And I really, all I read was the first paragraph of the review. The first line of the review was, don't read this book before you go see this movie if you haven't already. It literally was like, don't read the book. <laughs> and it just struck me odd. And I read a little bit further and realized what the person was saying was this movie is very different from the book. And from what they could tell, people who had read the book and invested in it might be distracted by all of the ways the movie was different from the book. Mm. But it just it pissed me off, quite frankly, that someone would say, don't. I mean, the the, the guy who made up the world wrote a book (laughs) and then another guy paid that guy to do a film version of that world that he created. And this reviewer is like, this movie's great. Don't read the book. Don't read the book. If you haven't seen the movie, I would argue that you should both read the book and watch the movie. They're both terrific and they work very much more as a complimentary pair than as uh, disjointed or somehow conflicting with each other. I don't understand. And I think you can appreciate the movie if you've read the book. And I think you can appreciate the book if you've seen the movie first. I think mm-hmm. it can work both ways. But the idea for somebody to just open a review with, like, don't read this book. I thought, man, if I was that author, I'd be pissed. Yeah, 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 well, yeah that's yeah. what I was just thinking is I, I wrote a book. It's not famous or anything. But if somebody ever made a movie of it and then uh, somebody wrote an article that said, hey, don't read this book, I would be offended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't I also don't understand the people who feel the need, like you have to choose one or the other. It's yeah. either or. Or we like, don't have to trash something to make other something else good. I mean, this movie is great. Don't blow my candle out just to make it. yours burn brighter, Jeff. I won't. Well, and reading re- reading a book after a movie doesn't take anything away. And no. I don't think reading the book before takes anything away. Although there are people who are a little bit too defensive about the book when it is adapted to the screen and everything. Like, why didn't they have this unnecessary piece of bullshit in the Mm. movie you know but uh but i've read a lot of books after the fact yeah and like i loved the martian reading it after watching the movie yep yep i knew the movie i've seen the movie like two or three times before i read the book and the book is amazing just i did the same with jurassic park i read the book after the movie i've seen the martian about 50 times (laughs) i believe you (laughs) well the jeff's rant flows into my follow-up rant which is just a mini rant before my regular rant (laughs) 
But I have to go back an episode or two when I was ragging on Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Leigh for not having known the races of their characters in Annihilation. Because what I have learned since, and was too ignorant to know at the time, was apparently the races of those characters are not disclosed until the sequel. Yeah. Ah. And you hear Jeff talking about how it takes place inside the head of this one character. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even if Natalie Portman did go read Annihilation to research her character, she wouldn't have come away knowing her character was had a different ethnicity than white. Ah. So mea culpa to Natalie Portman. I know she's listening. Uh, I'm sorry that I said there's no way in hell you didn't know that because I didn't realize there was more than one. Well, and Garland Mm -hmm. was prepping this movie by reading galleys of Annihilation before the other uh, one was the even other written. two had been published. Oh, wow. So he was really working on the first part of a trilogy, but without any idea of what the next two books hmm, were going to be interesting. about. All right, so here's my real rant. Tray tables. Mm, okay, mm, I took, I took Jeff to my local theater last night. As I've said before on the podcast, they've recently renovated all the seats. Fewer seats, but they're bigger, wider. They're, they have electronic reclining. They got a nice big fat armrest with a cup holder. I I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. And they've expanded the menu. So now I can get a pizza or a burger or mm-hmm. fucking corn dog nuggets from the concession stand. Mm-hmm. But they can't do what the airlines do and build me something that's built into the armrest that's a tray that I can pull up and put over my lap and have a little table there for my shit. Because it's already really dark. And now I got to hold all these concessions on my freaking lap. Now, I I get where you're going with this. It wouldn't be hard. I don't think the combination of a recliner and a tray table would be conducive to A, quiet eating, and B, accidents. Because people are going to be in motion on an airplane. There's only so much you can let your your seat back. All right? In this, where you got fully automated to where you're essentially supine when you get all the way extended, you know... If you have that tray table up there, you're going to jostle, you're going to move. No, gonna I'm just going to, st- I'm I'm talking about an airline tray table. Right. When I'm done with it, I lift it up and slide it back down into the armrest. Done. I'm not going to be reclining while I eat my burger. I'm going to be sitting in the thing with the tray table eating while you I watch the trailers. People will be doing that. Though. Well, the fuck those people. <laughs> I yeah. want an option. Don't give me all this food at concession that I somehow have to wrangle and hold in my arms and lap for the next two hours. Have you eaten a burger from concessions? No, but I would all if right. I had something to put it on. I, I, I got you. I have. They're they're fine. Are they? They're okay. All right. Yeah. They, um, but like, I like to get the pretzels. And, mm-hmm. the, and I like to get a cup of cheese to dip that in. And there are both my hands completely used. That's I've got to basically lay a napkins across my lap to create a soft table and hope the cheese doesn't spill. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I But the only thing here is we both know how movie theaters are. They the the cost of putting in all those trays <laughs> is what they're what they would be looking at. How about this? Maybe just designate five seats in an auditorium as as table seats mm-hmm. or seats that have airline trays because i'm already picking my seat at the box office now when i buy a ticket i'm picking my row my seat number why don't you just put a little asterisk next to the one that has a tray table i'll pick that one get my burger and my pretzel we're good to go that's a good point no more problems yeah. why don't you just bring a little tray with you to the movie <laughs> yeah they would let me do that mm-hmm. slide it in. yeah they're gonna kick you out for bringing a little cafeteria <laughs> no, I'm, tray. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry, sir. sorry i can't let you have <laughs> no trays allowed exterior trays to the, just you just know. put it down the i front realize of your you're about to buy 35 dollars worth of concessions from us but please you're gonna have to take that tray back <laughs> yeah i'm just saying it, it, I'm all alone, and this was a stupid rant, and you guys it's, hate it. It's, it's not long before they do something like that, probably. Because they have uh, high, super high-end theaters in places like Austin and big cities, have, even have tables and waiters and yeah. whatnot, and I'm just asking for something in the middle there. I don't want a waiter, actually. Mm-hmm. 
I don't even want a full table. But okay, like the symphony. Mm-hmm. When we went to the symphony to see the La La Land thing, uh-huh. the way that that box was set up is you had two, you had a table in between. Yes. You set your your drink or your snack. Or, think ahead. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I got you. Why I got to you. spend that mo- that kind of money on the concessions? I'll buy pot roast and mashed potatoes from your concession, <laughs> but you got to give me a dish and a spoon and a table to set it on. Pot roast. You can't eat pot roast. <laughs> you can't. Eat- it reminds me of an episode of Friends. <laughs> um. Okay, so Variety came out with this article the other day that uh, was like, despite the fact that uh, three that the top three movies had female protagonists leading the way, there was actually less. Uh, there were actually less movies last year that had female protagonists in it and everything. Uh, I think we all agree that there probably should be more diversity and more women in movies and, you know, more people of color, all these type of things. The, the, these things should happen. My rant is about the study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what is your basis for this? Study? How do you calculate this? Um, like, for instance, they said that it was, I believe, in 2016, 29% of the top 100, which, by the way, that's the number. 29 uh 29 yeah yeah, yeah. if it's out of 100 yeah yeah. just they out of the top 100 box office hits which again is a bullshit once you get to the hundredth movie you're getting the movies that are like made 20 million Mm dollars so that's bullshit right off the bat to even do it with the top 100 box office hits is bullshit uh but to say that 29 percent in 2016 and then 24 percent in 2017 so I, I would that nowhere in this article did it say here's our criteria for saying uh, who who was led by a female protagonist or not. Uh, like I think we all can uh, agree that Last Jedi was led by female, and we Beauty and the Beast was, and that uh, um, Wonder Woman was. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but what about when they're the second half of a duo, uh, like a man, like passengers? Mm-hmm. Uh, which was in 2016. Uh, what if what if it's that? Uh, do you consider that uh, the female protagonist in that, or do you just say, well, there was a guy there, so fuck it? Yeah. Uh, do you or do? You, and what about the ones that are ensembles, where there's like X Men Apocalypse, where you have, you know, tons of female characters, even though they're not exactly one of them leading the movie in general, but they're the the most some of the most powerful ones. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is your criteria for this? I went through the top 100 in 2016 and went down and was went through a criteria of saying, okay, how many had a lead actress that was the main focal point and how many had where they were at least the second half of a man woman leading team or whatever. And I came up in 2016 with 42, which is way more than what they came up with. And then 2017, I did come up with less. So that's true. But I also came up with a lot more ensemble pieces Mm -hmm. and stuff. There were, I mean, of course, because of comic book movies, there's hardly any like one comic book movie where, uh, in a in an ensemble piece where somebody is taking the whole movie and that's theirs or right. whatever uh but i found 42 and i i included cartoons in this you know in 2016 you had stuff like moana and all that um but i don't know where their where their criteria is so that i i agree because look at black panther mm-hmm. that is ostensibly about the black panther t'challa 
but it's the women that drive this whole plot. Right. Right? Yeah. So I would say that that's well represented as a female protagonist in three forms. Yes. And uh and uh and I went through 2017 and I was like, okay, yes, there's less, but I also see more ensemble pieces and I think it's generally the same. Um I don't think that any Hollywood producer is going to look at 2017 and go well, we just can't put more, you know, we can't put more women in movies. The top three movies were led by women. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't, I understand the need. This is, this is where I get, I skew from liberal philosophy. A lot of times is when we try to come up with something to say, this is something that's wrong. God damn it. And we need to do something about it and everything. And there's, it, your your stats that you're coming up with don't have anything like yes that is something that i can agree with but you're you're the what you're using to prove yeah. it is wrong what is the conclusion they're drawing that more women need to be uh leading movies then the whole thing is flawed if you're using the top 100 box office yes because you don't know when you make a movie what it's going to make right so when i'm casting i'm paramount i'm casting noah two which, by the way, would rule. <laughs> yeah. And I go, well, how much is this movie going to make? Can I put women in it? It's right. Not, that doesn't work like that. No. You've got to go through every single film that got any kind of major release, and that's going to be three, four hundred pictures. And while they said that there were other movies that were indies that, like they, they, you know, there was an uptick in all these, you know, all these different boxes that they, you know, there's an uptick in black women, there's an uptick in Asian women, all that. I was like, okay uptick in all the the boxes and everything and it's still not enough you know mm -hmm. it's still like a low amount and whatever but what's uh, that standard that they talk isn't there like a bechdel test or something yeah that that with, which is like, two that. women have to be talking about two, about something two other than women a man with like two that. women with names, with names uh must, talking about something other than a man talking about a, a, other than a man and um and and so like it's it was a joke that was in a comic book a long time ago and then suddenly people made it, made into it a, a thing a serious fucking test yeah um which is sad to me um but uh and and some movies by the way that you would never consider paragons of like uh female empowerment past the past the test yeah. um <laughs> so like uh yeah it, it, it's it's one thing to say yeah this we need to we need to do more and i agree we do but don't give these bullshit stats and don't give me a don't give me something that has absolutely no criteria listed at yeah. all in the article like yeah. i i read it twice i was like so are you gonna tell me what what it is see that's my thing whenever i see a headline uh about a new study mm -hmm. i'm always like i need to read about the methodology first mm -hmm. i need to find out because like yesterday i saw a headline that said something about east uh, the new study shows that e-cigarette vapor results in more lead and a couple other really dangerous metals um than like regular cigarettes do and i was like okay well let's check the methodology mm -hmm. here like and it was actually i mean again i'm not a scientist but it, it, I, I wasn't really happy with the methodology of that study enough to to say well this is news i can take this and, and run with it because they they only studied like 34 people they literally went to e-cigarette vape shops and ask customers if they would participate in the study. Yeah. There's no set number of 
like which brand or model of vaporizer they used or what kind of liquids they only used. ones made of lead anyway so it's it's the same with this if i saw a headline like that yeah fewer fewer roles for women this year than last year i'm like well, exactly how did you cat because that's not that's not a black and white issue you have to have some sort of set of rules oh yeah before you start counting and if you don't tell me what those are then your numbers are meaningless yeah yeah, you just in the end, just just tell me. Here's the criteria. This is what we looked at. Here are the list of movies. Even if you could just please tell me those too, because like I said, I went back through here and I found more than they did. Uh, but my criteria is different from theirs. Yeah, and you reach the same conclusion, but you 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 go a different route by doing it. Right, and I mean, you know, you you just have. I mean, I. <laughs> just you know come on with the the giving me this information just you can make a general statement but don't give me this scientific thing yeah. that, you know that and people are reading that going oh weird it went down from last year that's we need to do something about that yeah but it's not because of the stats that you gave right us. anyway not to mention everything that's going to come out in 2018 which they will then compare against 2017 is already in the works yeah it's not like anybody can read right. this study and go let's react to that right right <laughs> That was my specialty when I used to write scientific papers was the materials and methods uh, section. Really? Yeah, because uh, there was such a high standard by which we had to to quantify our stuff. And if you don't do it the way other people have, have done it, then yeah. you can't compare your results. Again, you may have the same conclusion, but you're getting it the wrong way, mm -hmm. and that's going to be discredited and discounted, rightfully so, because it's apples to oranges yeah. instead of apples to apples. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I got a short rant about the Oscars. Okay, so the Oscars are uh, going to drop on like March 4th. Yeah, it's March 4th. <clears throat> March 4th. And I feel like we've already gone through award season. The The Golden Globes was two months, is going to be two months before mm -hmm. uh, the, the Oscars. Then you got the Critics' Choice Awards that Chris went to. You've got the Directors Guild, the Producers Guild, the Screenwriters Guild, the Actors Guild. And it's like, I, my Oscar boner is is waning i right saw now. a headline yesterday for like the like the prop masters guild had an awards or something <laughs> and i was like well it makes sense that they have a guild yeah and if they have a guild i guess it makes sense that they would do awards but i mean think about the ones we don't even hear about well exactly and i know this has probably gone on for the, uh, a long time chris you mentioned that uh the oscars used to be in march mm -hmm. as a as a rule used to be later and stuff um and maybe it's just that there's more awards or they're getting more coverage or whatever it is. But it's like, it's too fucking long now. Well, yeah, you're you're right. I like the way you said it, not just because it was dirty, but your boner is gone. Uh -huh. like, whenever the Oscars do come around, I already care less than I did last year. Now, I have seen some people online suggest that it's later this year because of the Olympics. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. No. It, it it's it's later because that's what they decided on it's actually been in march for the last two or three years i think i can't remember how long it's been it was in early february for a while in the like 2000s because they thought that i'm trying to remember what it was that they were trying to do what they may have been trying to do what you're talking about that makes with, sense to me but the problem that Came, that came up with that is that the academy was not really given enough time to review all the movies that they needed to see to vote so they added the extra month there 
Um, so we started in, that's where I believe we started seeing less and less surprises and everything, because once it got to February, the whole momentum had just gone straight into these movies that they were already awarding. Mm-hmm. Now that there's like a month away from the, all of that, there's the chance that we might see something different from all this other type of stuff, which is weird and kind of shows you why award shows are a little bit stupid anyway. Yeah. Because, you know, because it just. It's more about when you vote than it is it's, what you're voting for. It's what's for. on your conscious and what you're, what's gathered momentum. Somebody's going to accidentally vote for Black Panther. <laughs> they are. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> well, and it feels like a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because you have all of those movies that are sort of earmarked as award movies that dump right at the end of the year. And I'll tell you, as a person, kind of a normal person who doesn't watch 100 movies a year, but watches, tries to watch 15 or 20, lives in a small town with one small little seven, you know, screen cineplex uh i'm it's gonna take me a while to Mm. see some of those movies that come out at the end of the year um i think that that is part of what drives those award shows to then maybe have them a little later but having them later makes the people dump them a little later and i feel like it's a little bit of a cycle yeah Yeah. well the people who vote on them for the most part i feel like should have seen all these movies already i agree but the public maybe hasn't right and and you can't please both of those crowds. So you can't have a perfect outcome. If you if you move it earlier so that everything's fresher in the voters' minds, there's not enough time for me to see those movies to care about the awards. But if you push it back so there's enough time for me to see it, the voters get all... But televising the show is for the public. It and is. So you've got to give the people a chance to connect to some of the movies that they're going to yeah, be well, for example, presented. There, I saw a couple days ago, there's some... some Somebody's come out with some kind of allegation about Shape of Water for like the third time that it rips something else off. This is actually a lawsuit this time. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the first time that story came out, it was very quickly determined that even the author of the thing he was accused of ripping off didn't think he was ripping it off. They both had talked about their ideas at the same time. Uh, but this is a lawsuit straight up saying... And How could you not be sure you were ripping something off as strange as that story is? <laughs> I agree. Like, wouldn't you immediately go, isn't that this well, thing? Well, and this <laughs> is... The, woman has sex with the fish. This is yeah. Well, this is a film about a janitor who bonds with a captive, like, dolphin creature and tries to help it escape. And the, the makers of this film have sued um, Guillermo del Toro and the studio for Shape of Water. This news broke before the Oscar ballots were due, according mm-hmm. to the article I read. And, you know, the article speculate this could impact the shape of water's chances to win awards if people doing the voting decide to believe these allegations. Um, it could do the opposite and get him more votes if they decide that the allegations are false. It just, basically, there's, there's so much time that news articles and lawsuits and all this stuff can can shift and what might have won Best Picture a month ago might not. Well, I mean, my thing is, sure, if the Oscars are are here for a reason, and this at this date for a reason, which I understand to give enough time for everybody to, to watch, have all the awards closer together then. Don't have Golden Globes come out two months before the yeah. Oscars. Uh, because all the fanfare, all the momentum, all the stuff has, even for people as plugged into it as we are, uh, maybe I'm the only one, but like, I, it's really starting to just kind of like, okay, all yeah. right. Yeah, yep. and it used to be a big, huge boon for movies for to get to Oscar nominations and everything. So, like, that was another, it was a financial aspect to it and everything. Uh, I just went back into some Oscar history there. Um, it was in late March. Uh, at, and I late just, March? I start, yeah, yeah. I started in 1990, uh, and it was probably in late March before then. But 1990, all the way up until 2004, it was in late March. Oh. Huh. Uh, 
Uh, and then it went to uh, late February or early March uh, uh, 2005, I believe, is what it was the first year, or 2004 was. And it's been that way since. Oh. Uh, it has been in the, that area, late February, early March since then. So we've had that for about 15 years. Hmm. Um, now, yeah, I just I think they used to have it later because it was a boon for, for Oscar nominees. It's no longer, I don't think. It kind of is. In a way, it is. I mean, it's already got its... This Oscar boost has already happened well before it even gets nominated for Oscars, I think, now. Mm -hmm. I think people just know about these movies at this point. Whereas back in the day, a movie got an Oscar nomination. I've never heard of that before. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go see it or right. whatever. So, I don't know. They they, they sort of uh, you know split the distance, I mm -hmm. guess, on that and just said, all right, let's put it in early March. Do we want to skip on to uh, to recommend some warns? Sure. I think those are probably a little more entertaining than covering the news, even yeah. though... And we covered some news. We covered some the, news anyway. I mean, there is one big news thing that I think we could talk about. Okay. We don't have to go through all, like four news pro news things, but Joss Whedon getting off Batgirl. Yeah, and that's what's weird to me is seeing how many people are celebrating that. That is weird. Although I guess that's uh, that's sort of uh, an offshoot of that uh, his ex wife it is. Uh, yeah. and everything. Um, but uh, the interesting thing to me is that he takes himself off this project and said, I just didn't have a story there. Mm -hmm. That's bullshit. Right. He's off the project because one of two things has happened, and I'm just going to be politically incorrect. Um, he or the studio fears backlash with this stuff about his, his wife has accused him of, which as far as I know, was just adultery and using his status as the creator of Buffy to push his feminist persona even while being an adulterer i don't mm. think he's been mm. accused by anyone of abuse or harassment no not anything like that but i think there's either fear of backlash or they've decided they need to get a woman director on there and go the route they did with wonder woman and that between how great a job she did um and and all the other female directors who've had prominence this year um but I also think there's a kind of a PR thing there that there, there may be like, man, I don't know if we can have a man direct bad girl at this point. Now that we've, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now that oh, we've yeah. given Ryan Coogler, Black Panther, not that DC did that. Now that we've given Wonder Woman to a female director, maybe, you know, and that would in large part be a good thing, I mm -hmm. think. Um, and there's something about a, a woman's sensibilities that I think will probably make a movie better. If they yeah. get a good director. But saying you didn't have a story is the stupidest god. Mm -hmm. How many Batgirl comics are there? Read one. Yeah. Yeah. You were pumped when you took the job. Yeah. Like that. I just don't. I, it bothers me when people use these bullshit excuses and we just let them walk. Mm -hmm. um, something else happened there. Maybe you don't want to tell me, but then just make a statement that says we've amicably parted ways over creative differences and call it a day. Yeah, like the Lord and Miller thing. Yeah. For don't Solo. tell me you couldn't come up with a story, which yeah. is the flimsiest see-through bullshit yeah. i've ever heard yeah. oh my god yeah um but yeah i mean i who who knows i don't know how to feel about this is just as far as just forgetting about you know things that he's may or may have not done or whatever it, like it, it does seem like the right thing to do regardless sure. i mean I, I i think that joss whedon can still do uh a, a movie like this and we'd love it but you know it's it's probably best that he does. It, I, it, listen, I mean, 
Joss Whedon's last two movies have been Justice League and Avengers Age of Ultron, right? Yeah. Yeah, although Justice League, yeah, I still, yeah. I mean, we, it's not We don't real. know how much yeah. he, got, he got involved with it, but it's not like he's batting a thousand. You know, nope. Avengers was great. Buffy was great. Serenity was great. Firefly was great. Um, yeah, give give this project to a talented female. In fact, um, it was an interesting thing just today. I think it was Roxanne Gay, uh, who's a super talented writer, American writer, on Twitter uh, tweeted uh, Warner Brothers or something like that, and just said, uh, "Hey, if you want me to write this, I'll write it." And then the VP for for marketing for DC uh, got back to her on Twitter and said, "Are you serious?" And she said, yeah. And she was like, okay, email me. So, wow. Man, I should have tweeted something. <laughs> well, you're also not uh, a, a female. I'll tweet at Chris McKay. By the way, he's been in the news. Um, like a oh, Batman yeah. director who I think is still working on an eventual Nightwing movie yes. mm-hmm. is now in talks to uh, revive Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Ooh. Which, if I'm going to get excited about Dungeons and Dragons coming back, it's going to be because it has a director. I like and who likes me back. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> he has liked your cat pictures. Because otherwise, I'm not going to be excited about a Dungeons and Dragons movie. We could remake Mazes and Monsters, that Tom Hanks TV movie where we're <laughs> oh, man, talking about how about it was uh, satanic and stuff. Oh, I forgot all about that. <laughs> okay, yeah, so you want to go to the recommends? Yeah, sure. What, Jeff, you want to recommend something? Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? best movie ever made i'd love to uh i am going to recommend captain fantastic Ooh. oh yeah i wanted to see this i still haven't seen this have any of you seen it i have not seen it vigo mortensen vigo i've got it of course i've got the blu-ray <laughs> it was not exactly under the radar i think he was nominated for an oscar mm-hmm. um but it didn't it wasn't a huge film it wasn't one that got a ton of buzz and it is terrific yeah um it is uh, about a quirky family that has some distinct choices and uh, they're sort of facing some of the fallout from some of those choices that they've made. But what I love about it most is that the performances are fantastic. The kids in this movie seem like real kids. Hmm. Uh, They just feel real. Like all of their choices seem unscripted. They just seem like what you would expect a kid that age in that condition, in that circumstance to do. And also when it juxtaposes Vigo and that family against people who have differing views about how families should be raised, uh, particularly, I don't think it's giving anything away to say it's it's primarily him and his family versus his wife's parents. Hmm. And his wife's parents... Uh, Frank Langella? Frank Langella is the father. They are not inherently evil. Like, you can see both sides. Like, you're rooting for Vigo and these kids, and at the same time while you're rooting for them, you're going, that choice was pretty weird like i don't know if i would do that the way you did that and when you're rooting kind of against you know frank langella and his wife and these parents you don't want them to like take the kids from vigo at the same time you're like but i kind of sympathize with where they're coming from Uh, everyone feels really real and authentic and it is not a neat and tidy uh, wrap up but it's just a beautiful movie it deals with really i think significant and important themes about what modern society is and some of the things about modern society that we sort of take for granted and to just assume are great and maybe not as great Mm. as we might have thought. And looking specifically at a a family that takes a slightly different approach, more than a slightly different approach to some of those things. So yes, Captain Fantastic, highly recommend. It was a great performance by Vigo and a great movie. Nice. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. You know what I always forget Vigo was in? G.I. Jane. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Where Demi Moore says with bloody face, suck my dick. That's right. <laughs> and then they accept her. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
What a terrible movie that was. <laughs> I'm going to recommend a, a movie I caught that I'd never heard of. This, You know how I do. I like to look for titles on the sh- on the movie channels of movies I'd never heard of with people I like and then watch them. And I'm, both my recommend and my warn fall into that category ah. this week. Uh, I'm recommending a movie from 2007 called Snow Angels. Huh. Okay. Um, hmm. Yes, I too had never heard of it. <laughs> uh, Sam Rockwell, Kate Beckinsale, uh, Michael Angerano, Angerino, uh, Griffin Dunn, Amy Sedaris, uh, written and directed by David Gordon Green. Really? Oh, made really? Pineapple Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And this is nothing like that. Uh, this is a, a small town drama, winter coming of age kind of a thing. Uh, but most importantly, I wanted to point out how good Sam Rockwell is. Uh, he's playing he's playing a character that Roland Emmerich would love. A terrible, alcoholic, mostly absentee <laughs> father <laughs> who, despite his inability to stop being those things, is still trying um and i just was really wrapped up in it and uh yeah i really don't want to say too much more it's not like the kind of thing i could spoil uh, but it gets pretty deep at times hmm. um and it has a couple of good surprising chuckles and i just love when i stumble across a movie especially one that old that's like 11 years old with all these people in it that i know who were famous when they made it mm-hmm. i just never heard of it probably might have gone straight to dvd might have been like a hbo production and i didn't have hbo at the time i don't know but it just shows you how good sam rockwell is in virtually everything yep. uh what was the one where he played chuck barris it was uh oh, confessions of a dangerous mind yeah he was great in that that's mm-hmm. a weird movie yeah that was one directed by clooney right yes um it's a weird movie, but he's awesome in it. Well, and he looks like one of the favorites to win this year for the Oscar. And if if he doesn't win, he's he's certainly now been placed in the category of actors who should win yeah. eventually. Uh, and it's good to see because even his early stuff, like Safe Men and even Galaxy Quest, went before he was a star. Yeah. He's fantastic in all of them. Uh, it's always good to see somebody with that much talent. Uh, get what they deserve i see that you're the uh rare man in this world who has an obsession with kate beckinsale yeah i know that <laughs> makes me unique yeah Very weird. um that uh but yeah i, I just ha- just note that uh, i think the last three recommends and warns you've done broke down palace You've done that whiteout, and you've done this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I haven't even talked about her Diet Coke commercial. No. Diet Coke commercial? Yeah. I don't uh, think you've seen by a swimming pool. Oh, nice. I'll YouTube you the link. Okay. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> YouTube is a verb for emailing now. Yes. I'll YouTube you. Yes. Yeah. Am I doing both my recommend and warn, or am I just doing the recommends first and coming back to the warn? Uh, let's come back to it, because right. Jeff, do you have a warn? I do, but I only gave you the recommends, so... Okay, I, yeah, so we'll circle back to it. Okay. I yeah. screwed up, I'm sorry. I broke your podcast. Yeah, good. <laughs> you broke it. Uh, I'm going to recommend Trainwreck, okay? Mm. Okay. So okay. Trainwreck mm. came out in, what, 2015, and at the time that I saw it, didn't like it all that much. Mm. Um, I thought it was kind of overhyped. Um, I loved Amy Schumer at in, in that time. She was doing Inside Amy Schumer. Loved her stand-up special that she did the first one. Um, and she was on a roll and love Bill Hader, obviously, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, this movie didn't connect to me. I, I, I thought, I don't know. I thought it was just too overblown and it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, she needed to be more confined. I caught this again the other day and it's fucking funny, man. Like there's some really, really good performances in here. Now she's great mm-hmm. in this, but Bill Hader playing a straight man is still it's really, really good. Way different. It, it is. Yeah um there's there's surprise performances 
John Cena is hilarious. John in this Cena movie. steals the movie. Uh, Ezra Miller in his one scene. Yeah. There's that sex scene where, like, you can tell the disconnect because he's like 16 or something like that. Yeah. And she's however old she is. But he's like coming up with dude terms. He's like, uh, cradle my bunch. Cradle my bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He likes that bunch line. Yeah. Um, and uh, like uh, I said, Amari Stoudemire is pretty funny in this. LeBron. LeBron James actually has some comic chops in this. Yeah, um, It's really enjoyable. I just wish Judd Apatow could edit his movies. 20 I minutes. I know. I Every agree. single one of them. Yeah. This one's two hours and five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's too long. And, and he overindulges. That's his main issue, I believe, as a director is that he overindulges and so like if he has a like a guy like lebron james in there it's like let's let him go on and on yeah. and on and he's got some funny moments lebron james does don't get me wrong but sometimes you just sit there and go yeah i i see your hot shit you got the big guy to get in your movie yeah, yeah. no i know I, I think i know the scene that you're thinking about is in the when they're sitting at the restaurant yes. and he's like cleveland the land and like he goes on for yes. several several beats yes. it's like just that's in the theater good. i was like come come on yeah just just you can cut it right here yeah. you're good doesn't while, have to keep going while we're talking about movies starring basketball players jeff and i saw a trailer last night in front of annihilation um for a movie called uncle drew have you guys ever heard of this mm -mm. no i wonder if we should just pull the trailer up and let him watch it because i don't know if describing it can really do it justice are you for Kyrie Irving did an Uncle Drew character when he was selling? Oh, I didn't even know that. Tennis shoes oh, or soda yeah, or something. Yeah, I remember it's, that. It's a bunch yeah, of basketball yeah. stars in old man makeup. Well, they're going to make yeah, a movie yeah. about about street ball. Oh, really? And it's going to suck. Oh. And don't watch it. Shaq. Oh, oh. Tiffany Haddish is in it. Well, yes. Nick Kroll? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. It, I mean, I haven't seen the trailer. So uh, I don't it's know. one of those trailers that feels like it belongs. Uh, in front of Tropic Thunder. What a weird or on Saturday Lil, Annihilation. Lil, Lil Rel Howery's in it. Oh, nice. How's this going to be bad? There's so many good people Just in it. Just watch the trailer. Okay. All it is, I, every joke looks to be basketball guy in old man makeup trying to be funny. I, oh, can, I can see that. I and, can see uh, that. All the other people were put in place just to draw you into the theater. Mm. But it's just going to be, oh, I just don't even, I don't even, I, I, I thought it was fake. I thought it was a fake movie. <laughs> the trailer doesn't serve very well if it in fact does end up being a wonderful film that's true if it is funny they <laughs> that put is very diplomatic the, to say by the way right. they put all the shit in the trailer okay, in sorry. six months if we're all going that film was so great <laughs> whoever made that trailer is going to be fired yeah <clears throat> um i have a recommend but i do not have a warn this right. week so uh my recommend is into the abyss i oh. really wanted to see this uh Werner herzog's documentary um and it's again it you it's fun it's what is it about true crime stuff man I, it these are horrible events mm -hmm. but we're just drawn to them in some way there's something about them and i you know i i feel like at odds with myself watching these things because sure. because it's like man that's that's incredible tell me more tell me more you know and then like it's so somebody's lives have ended because yeah. of all this um but uh into the abyss is not really worried about if the person did it or not or whatever there is they do he does bring it up there's two people involved two people who were convicted of these murders that are in this movie uh, and one of them says that guy did it. And the other guy says that guy did it. Mm. And the only difference between the two 
is that the one there's one guy who's just serving a life sentence and the other guy is getting executed for it. Hmm. Uh, and the reason why the other guy isn't getting executed for it is because his dad, who was also in prison, uh, made an impassioned plea to the jury saying I was a bad father and and he he can't you can't punish him because I wasn't there for him if I was there he wouldn't have done this blah 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 and he got just enough to get people to say this guy shouldn't get executed wow. um and so Werner Herzog is a little bit more interested in uh, even though he does go through the, the the case and everything, he goes through the case and that's got that all that the hallmarks of the true crime stuff where you got the pictures, you got the videos, you got all those, you know, this is what happened at what time and and just just the simple shot of you know that they have the crime scene uh, video and the this, you know the cops when they arrived at the scene were going through this house and just something as simple as the person who had gotten murdered obviously had been baking cookies they had just uh, the the cookie dough on the cookie sheet was waiting out there and there's like a shot of like a broken egg and everything just lied neatly on the counter and everything and you're like that's what they were in the middle of doing when mm-hmm. this happened wow and um so it goes through all that but he's a little bit more more focused on does anybody deserve to die at all um and he even tells the guy who's sent who's sent for execution he's like He's like, I want you to know that uh, that I just because I may not like you doesn't mean that uh, I, I feel like anyone should be executed and everything. Like Werner uh-huh. Herzog, only he can say yeah. it in that voice. Exactly. You know, like, just because I don't like you doesn't mean that uh, that uh, I feel like anyone should be executed. And um, and in that that harsh whisper that he has. But uh, but he goes through that and he goes through like uh, he, he talks to he talks to the the uh, the guy, the it's not the priest, but the guy, the religious figure who's with who's with them until they die or whatever, mm-hmm. who holds on to them until they die, talking with him at the very beginning of the movie and then talking with a guy who did this constantly. And this is in Texas where they apparently just do it like twice a week or mm-hmm. something like that. Um they talked to one of the guys who was in charge of that to kind of like the Tom Hanks and green mile talked to that guy. And he's like, yeah, in 2000, he quit the job because he couldn't, he at the risk of his pension because he couldn't do this anymore. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, you can't and because as, blame him. as much as these people are horrible and you, you know, they deserve to pay for their crimes and everything. The whole killing uh, them part, gets to people and especially this guy after so many mm-hmm. uh he said one particular was there it was the one the woman the first woman they ever executed was the one that sort of like got him whatever anyway uh i would highly recommend into the abyss that is a movie that's gonna affect you in some way sounds like a madcap comedy romp it, re- <laughs> it really is right it uh he Werner herzog goes through all this you know goes through the the poverty of this town and the just uh, all the sort of the he he's he's just an expert. You, mm. why, I, I've seen about uh, I don't know ten to fifteen Werner Herzog movies, and this guy is he's just on the top of his game. And when he does documentaries and stuff, they're always gripping. Even in stuff like Grizzly Man, where mm-hmm. it's you know you you sit there and go, oh that guy's kind of kind of cuckoo or whatever. Werner Herzog is the guy behind the camera yeah. in this documentary, and he's just uh he's just good at what he does man and he will not yeah that movie is an hour that documentary is an hour and 45 minutes it just blew by oh yeah yeah so that's on that's on movie right it's on movie yeah yeah wow bonus ad coverage yeah man yeah 
Let's warn some people about some things. Warning! I brought a warn. All right. Uh, the movie Silence. From oh. A couple of years ago. Anybody the seen Scorsese, that? huh? Yep. Anybody seen it? I, I have not. not. Nope. It's I've... um. It's not that the movie is bad. Were you going to oh, say? Oh well, I was just saying. But I, I have heard nothing but good. So I'm I'm interested in a warning on this one. My warning is a little bit uh, specific to the fact that I love the book that this movie is based on, mm. and I feel like as much as I love Scorsese and I think I understand how and why he made the choices he made in making this movie. Um, he took a book that has incredible compelling characters and really, really fascinating things to say about faith and doubt and human beings. And he made a boring movie and I wish he hadn't. I mean, there's just so much narration in this movie. He just holds on these beautiful shots for long periods of time and, doesn't ever seem to give me and even the actors in it are great and they're really decent performances and somehow the sum of everything is less than what you would expect from those parts uh, I literally watched it with two friends in a home on uh, blu-ray and both of those people fell asleep during the movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is not a good sign uh, I stayed silence. awake because I really wanted to like it and I, it's not again it's not that it's a bad movie it is just it is much more disappointing than I wanted it to be loving the book as much as I did. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And this is the one, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this the one that he's been thinking about making for like decades? I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like this passion project he's yeah. carried with him forever. He's Catholic. He's sort of held on to this thing. And I wonder if maybe that's not part of the issue yeah. is that he's so personally invested in yeah. this story that he couldn't quite help himself, maybe needed mm-hmm. some external narr- or well, editing like and things like that. Luke Besson with uh, Valerian. Right. Because he wanted to make Valerian before he made Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. And he's been carrying that story for so long and maybe too long. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, well, this... I'm not going to be rushing out to see Silence anytime soon. I can tell you that. I wouldn't say don't see it. It's worth seeing. Uh, it's definitely worth reading if you read anything. But um, it's just not as great as I wanted it to be. Interesting. Mm-hmm. No warnings for you, right? No warnings for me. I'm going to warn you. And I'm going to spoil the shit out of this movie. <clears throat> Another one that I had never heard of with some people I knew in it. And I'm flipping on the movie channels. This is a 2016 movie called Sugar Mountain. Hmm. Anything? Bueller? Nope. Bueller? Nope. That's Nothing. what I thought. All right. So our man Carrie Elways is in this. And the other name you'll recognize is Jason Momoa. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the, the three leads are people I all recognize, but I didn't know their names. And I had to look them up and they were like... You know, one was on Roswell or some shit or One Tree Hill or whatever the fuck. Um, I've seen their faces, but I didn't know their names. So basically, here's the premise. One brother comes down from a hike on a mountain and says that his brother he went hiking with is missing. Now, you learn very early on that it's a hoax and that they owe money to Jason Momoa, who's this town thug. And it's like, a, I don't know where it's set. It's like rural West Virginia or some shit. Um, someplace where there's mountains. Um, and so <clears throat> the girl who's the lead is married to the missing hiker. The brother has always been in love with her. Um, Carrie always starts popping up every now and then as the alcoholic town sheriff. He's so alcoholic, he might as well be in a Blade Runner movie. (laughs) (laughs) Every scene has him either drinking or pouring something into his flask. Mm -hmm. And it's never explored any further than that. It's just like window dressing. Right. (sighs) So he suspects that it's a hoax, but he can't prove it. But they're trying to get what they want to do is have him stay up there long enough. And he's 
supposed to go to this cave and hide on the other side of the mountain and then be miraculously rescued so they can sell their story to the news programs, the TV movie people. All right. That's the plan the whole way, which is inherently stupid. Yes. Uh, and of course, things go awry um, because when the brother comes back, he saw his dead mom in a vision on the mountain and she told him not to sell the story. So the, the main central conflict at the end of the movie is that he doesn't want to sell the story and make the money, even though Jason Momoa is about to kill him. Hmm. And there's incest. <laughs> oh. Of course there is. Because while he's on the mountain, the brother who's in love with his wife, they think he dies. Uh-huh. Because they go up to the cave and he's not there. And they think he's dead and they fuck. That night, actually, they get back from the mountain and through some movie magic, their grief turns to sex and they fuck. And they decide to sleep, as characters in movies do, they decide to sleep on the floor naked so that when Carrie Elways comes in the next day, who's her dad, which you don't find out oh. until that scene, he catches them and he reacts way over the top. Like, I know it's your daughter, but she cheated on her husband. No big deal. Nope. That's her brother. <laughs> Carrie Elways is his dad and uh. fucked their mom a long time ago uh. and they never told the kids. And so... <sighs> Accidental incest, oh. <laughs> which, I, my, if I'm being honest, is the best kind. Yeah, yeah. you yeah, don't absolutely. want to be accused of doing it on purpose. Right, right. That's the worst. But it goes from adultery to incest like that. <laughs> and Damn it! I fucked my sister. Only out of pure morbid curiosity did I finish this thing through to the end, uh, and I would just hold up a big red stop sign in your face is it better than flowers in the attic <laughs> it's better than a piece of fruit in a cup okay okay <laughs> fair enough fair enough barrett do you have a warn i have a soft warn because i haven't seen the entire series yet Ooh. but um i watched the first episode of altered carbon oh on netflix i've heard it's kind of uneven yeah yeah it is um any of you seen this? I, I have not. It. The trailer looked awesome. Yeah, 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 it did. Um, it's got a lot of similar themes as like Blade Runner and things like that. Um, you know, characters, souls represented in this, what they call a stack, like a microchip, um, can transfer from body to body um, as long as the, the stack is unharmed. Uh, interesting concept. Uh, it's set 300 years into the future. The guy, Joel Kenneman, uh, oh, is, the is the main, yeah, uh, the main guy who... You know, represents it, he died uh 250 years ago but uh you know he's resurrected here um interesting concept goes just way over the top though as far as you know i'm not a prude about profanity but it's one of those things where you throw in a dozen fucks when like one will do ah. um you know a shit ton of nudity everybody's drinking all the time but nobody's drunk i gotta watch this show the uh, uh there's there's everywhere is sex and it's it basically kind of like blade runner 2049 mm -hmm. where like not only do you have sex in this universe you do it right up in front of like the the picture window <laughs> yeah. in, the, in, the, in the alley uh it Look, just, just because like... i want to pay for sex doesn't mean <laughs> i want to do it in the display <laughs> that's <window>. correct <laughs> um i don't know it, it it didn't work for me i thought it was honestly kind of boring for a a show that has how all many these episodes concepts? have you gone through? just the first one okay um but that's an important one it's got to hook you yeah exactly it it reminded me a lot of a different sentiment but american gods yeah on uh, on stars felt like that just like was punching in the face instead of like presenting something oh yeah and i and, watched like five or six episodes of that yeah before i realized this is not for me same with fucking westworld 
And everybody is all like, oh, episode six, though, brings it all into focus. And I'm like, I'm not going to waste five fucking hours (laughs) to get into a show. Thank you very much. I'm done. (laughs) It may be the case there with Altered Carbon, too. It may be. Um, But it it didn't get me. Um, It may get much better, and I may catch up with it later on, but it's not something that I really want to go back to immediately. Mm. So Mm. proceed with caution. Uh, If you enjoy it, enjoy it. But Well, you know, I got to worry a little bit. Well, now that now they're basically cranking out a new series or a new original film almost every other week, mm-hmm. that sooner or later the talent pool that they're hiring has got to be diluted, right? And my news item we didn't talk about that I'm going to shoehorn into this segment was the new Lost in Space series from mm-hmm. Netflix released a trailer this week. And it's a pretty bland trailer. And all it really tells you is that this is going to be a, a serious take, not a comedic one, not a lighthearted one. And I'm a, Jeff and I grew up watching Lost in Space. I, I loved that TV show, hated the movie. You hated the made. movie. Um, but I just wanted to let you guys know who's making this, and I don't—I'm not trying to belittle anybody. Uh, but the screenwriting team behind *Dracula Untold* and *The Last Witch Hunter* are writing the series. Oh, the showrunner is the guy—a guy who ran *Prison Break*. Oh, mm. uh, okay. Mm. So maybe he knows a little bit about something. Mm. I don't have a lot of confidence when you tell me that those those previous credits that this mm. is going to turn out to be balls amazing. <laughs> Did you ever see *The Last Witch Hunter*? Wasn't that Vin Diesel? Oh, yeah, I knew I enough to stay it. away. <laughs> Same with Dracula Untold. <laughs> yeah. We're already like over our longest episode ever. Aren't no, we? we're right around the longest episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, is my biggest, this is my biggest regret. <laughs> I, I, I got to apologize because Jeff actually spent nine hours watching the Lord of the Rings movies so that we could talk about <laughs> oh, them. Oh, well, if you want to go over that real quick, that. that's fine. Uh, you might just have to have me back sometime. I think that would work because okay. I think that's probably more than a five, ten minute conversation. It would probably be more entertaining for you if it were, because it would probably take me again. There are a good 10 and a half, 11 hours of film there that <laughs> mm-hmm. in five minutes for me to tell you why I think they're not all that great. Yeah, might be a little tough. I agree. OK, so we'll we'll just. Uh, but I can sum up by saying Battle of Helm's Deep, which was your favorite part when the elf rode the shield down the staircase like a skateboard or when the human actually tossed the dwarf into a bunch of orcs. Mm-hmm. I actually Amazing. like... I yeah. like the dwarf tossing better because I like discrimination. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> and I have no respect. So let's yeah, hold on. Though. We'll do something else some other time and talk well, about... Like, can't, you can't look him in the eyes. Well, with. the... the- <laughs> The Vigo Mortensen, uh, when he's t- when Gimli tells him to do that, he's like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "He's like, toss me," you know, and it's like it, that's the that's the exchange that makes that scene <laughs> right. so good. Uh, all right, we'd like to thank Jeffrey Scott yeah! for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast. You got anything to push? You got uh, yeah, you got any, you got any like uh, things coming up that we need to? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do some serious uh, marketing in a small town hospital. Nice. So look for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> nice. I I love marketing, man. I live uh, an exciting life. Healthcare guys. marketing. That's right. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, you're in the perfect town for healthcare marketing That's for true. sure. But uh, let's see. Uh, that'll do it for let's. That'll do it for this week. Uh, we've got uh, keep going to Sincast uh, presented by CinemaSins Facebook page. Uh, keep going to SoundCloud. Our CinemaSins Twitter. Uh, we've got a, a lot of places to go. And you tell us uh, what you thought of good this responses episode. to the last few episodes. Absolutely. Keep them coming, man. Absolutely. And uh, you know, people pointing out stuff when we get things wrong here and there. I'm like, yeah, okay, all mm-hmm. right, definitely. Yeah, we go. Okay, okay, mess that up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, just, uh, just tell us what you think, and uh, I, I enjoy enjoy uh, answering uh, a lot of that stuff on facebook so uh but that'll do it for this week it's chris atkinson jeremy scott barrett share and jeffrey scott we'll see you next time thanks for listening 
Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I dated a girl in college that had this, it wasn't a fetish, but she was really into seeing blank pages that hadn't been written on yet. It sounds kind of like a fetish. <laughs> I don't think she got like sexual pleasure. She got some sort of like enjoyment out of just looking at it. Blank slate. That's weird. Yeah. It's a girl you dated? Yep. Did you break up with her? Eventually. That was a good move. Because she found out I had a girlfriend. <laughs> Lovely. It was terrible too. I we we uh she I don't know when this revelation happened but like we had the confrontation on the quad in uh, at University of Louisville. Nice. And it was this it was this cinematic moment where she stormed away from me and I, I don't remember her name. It was like Carol or something. And all by myself started playing. Well, no, she stormed off and I was like, "Carol, Carol." <laughs> Like in the middle of like a crowd thing with people looking at me. I was like, wow, this really seems dramatic. I'm just going to go back in, to the library or something. You didn't go all like streetcar? Like, <laughs> Carol! Her name was definitely not Carol. Oh, I was going to say. What are you doing dating a Carol? I mean, Kimberly? What are you thinking, you thinking there? You're like Mike Myers and Sorry Married an Axe Murder. <laughs> breaking up with girls for weird reasons. She was in the mafia. She smelled like Cosa soup. Nostra. <laughs> <laughs> like <soup>. <laughs> <coughs> Harriet. Harriet. Hard-hearted harbinger of haggis. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, bemused, bellicose butcher. Unloving. <laughs> unknowing. Sorry. No, it's, it's un... Trusted, trusted, yeah, untrusting, unlove, Ed, Ed, no. yeah. Jane, get me off this crazy thing <laughs> called love. <laughs> Did you ever um, live in Gibson at college? No. When I lived there with Josh, we lived in a place called Gibson Hall, and Josh had us all answer the phone whenever it rang as Debbie Gibson Hall of Electric Youth. Who do you want to rock? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or I was looking up something to do with Valentine's Day, the mm -hmm. movie, mm -hmm. and apparently Julia Roberts was paid like fifty nine thousand dollars per word for each. Oh, geez, yikes! Each. Now she wasn't paid by the word. No, they, they, <laughs> that was her contract. They just happened to like divide. Like somebody, somebody out there actually was like, "Here's all the Julia Roberts dialogue. I'm going to count the words." Yeah, and then they're like, "Here's how much money she made. Now I'm going to divide those words into that." That's, exactly That's still funny though. Yeah, it if is. there's an actor who could charge by the word, yeah. I think it would be Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think People Morgan Freeman could go to a studio. Probably does. <laughs> Rather than a flat fee, I want you to pay me per word. Yeah. And there'd be an accountant going, why is he improvising so much? It's not in the script. <laughs> yeah, like, this is going to cost us an extra- Stop talking, Morgan. Yeah. Julia Roberts was paid, oh, it was $11,952 for each word. She got $3 million and- Wow. She's really uh, hardly in that movie. And like 250 words. Okay, I think I've got everything pulled out. Pulled out? Yes. Still one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't pulled everything out, Barrett. Oh boy, this uh, is gonna be interesting. Barrett broke the fucking thing. 
right in oh. my... I was just a big emotional oh, moment. God damn it. I was about oh, to tear up. fuck, I dropped the thing! <laughs> you dropped the fucking thing? <laughs> Motherfucking shit. What movie is that? Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> it, I don't know why, but that scene... Because... Because they call it the thing. Yeah. Because they, I don't think that even the movie people know what it what it is that they're trying to like uh, to um, get their cups off with. It's, oh, uh, right. it's 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 your typical movie thingamajigger that um, that uh, that they use. This is really uh, an episode we should have filmed. <laughs> <laughs>